these parallels that you're making, Captain, is almost like comparing like Parade to Lotus Flower, man. Like, <laughs> who would do that? Who comes up with this stuff? <laughs> no who knows. listens to this stuff? <laughs> Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world, featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chance of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast for the 25th anniversary of Love Sexy, Woo! the album. And joining me on this particular edition, the same guys that join me on every edition on the Peach and Black podcast, it's Player. Get off me, punk, you ain't sexy. <laughs> Toe Jam. P&B, putting the right letters together and making a better day. <laughs> Cap- <laughs> Captain. Are we on the guest list? <laughs> this is starting to sound like the uh, May 2012 Prince t- <laughs> Prince <laughs> Prince Tour Review. We were saying that a whole lot back then. Hey, welcome back everyone, all of our listeners. Um, thanks for continuing to support the show and listening to the Peach and Black podcast. And we're all back, the four of us. It is me, MC, of course, and the place to be. We're all together on this virtual chat room, virtual roundtable to talk about such a seminal release, pardon the pun. May 1988, just over a year after the incredible release of Sign of the Times, the double album, Prince comes out with another album. He comes out, he virtually comes out. I mean, he's, he's half naked, pretty much butt naked on the cover of this album. I'm not going to pretend to know what uh, what species of flowers are in the background, but if anyone <laughs> knows what I'm talking about, then please <laughs> chime in. But look, this was a, an, an incredible year for Prince. An interesting time. He had spent close to 10 years uh, coming up with pretty much studio masterpiece after studio masterpiece and in the process becoming one of the world's greatest musicians and pop artists and, in fact, pop icons. And here we are. It's 1988 and it's looking interesting. You know, you look at the cover, you look at the band. And the minute you put this this record on, on on your record player or on your CD or even cassette, you know, we used to have cassettes back back in yeah. those days. From the opening note of this album, you know, that something is different. He's taking another turn and um, we're about to get into the music. So, before we do, does anyone have anything at all that they want to mention before we start talking about the songs themselves? Many, many. Yes. Okay. Many things. First of all, the horns on this album are just mental. Toe Jam, tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. That's right. <laughs> we'll get to each track individually, but on some of these songs, the horns just kill me. It's crazy. The other thing I'm going to say is all over this album is a lovely classic synth called the Roland D50, and I know because I've got one, and the sounds oh, are oh all over God. this album. Uh, so, yeah, I like it because of that. If you had this on a cassette or on vinyl, it didn't make much difference. But I like how the CD was one long 45-minute track, which in one way was very annoying to get to the song you wanted to get to. But usually you couldn't be bothered, and that's what he intended to make you do anyway. So that worked. It's a cool concept, and it's Prince being Prince, just doing whatever he wants because he can. 
And one more thing I'll say about this album is after a few years of, you know, after Sign of the Times was, you listen to that album, it's sort of there's still the minimalist, funky stuff, and then you go to this album, which is just full-on, overblown, full-band, bloody craziness. And it's, there's just so much happening on this compared to, say, a track like Sign of the Times. It's just crazy. But it's a good thing. Okay. Um, has, anyone else got, <laughs> has anyone else got anything to say? Uh, you're going to put your two cents in, player and Toe Jam? I'll just say um, this is a, a memorable album for me because it's my first memory of Prince. It's only like five or six, and I remember seeing the album cover and maybe listening to a song or two at my cousin's place. And so it's my first memory of Prince. All right, and, and play. Have you got anything specific? Do you recall that the, the era, the time period? Do you, do you remember listening to the or, get, or even buying this album in the first place? Um, I didn't buy like I bought Son of the Times. I didn't buy this album. I think because of the cover, but a friend of mine had it. So, so wait, wait, wait. you 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 didn't buy this album because of the cover? I think so. Yeah, what's, I think I was too self conscious. I didn't want to. <laughs> okay, and take it to the counter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had a friend, and I always listened to my friend's copy. But what I really want to say about this intro is with Love Sexy, you can't mention this album without mentioning the Black album because really Love Sexy was spawned from pretty much the death of the Black album. And the story behind it allegedly, and we say the word allegedly here, goes, well, it's twofold. One is um, Prince took an ecstasy trip, which was supposedly... Cat bought off Anthony Kiedis from the Red Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. And um, he took that and had some, like, wacky trip and it made him reconsider the Black Album. And another one was, a story was, I don't know if this was the same night or a different night, but he went to a club. This is pre-internet day, so, you know, you didn't get tracks leaked on the internet. He used to take his albums to clubs and play them in clubs, and he watched how the crowd reacted to the song. So um, this particular night, he spun the Black Album, and he met Ingrid Chavez, and they went to, back to Paisley Park, and they sat on the floor and was talking, and she, yeah. When they first met, did that synth sound come over the speakers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the aura sound. Um, I don't know. Who knows? But, um, no, but, but Prince really needed to go to the bathroom. That's why you get that water sound all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what a rush. So, yeah, between, between this conversation with Ingrid and this freaky ecstasy trip, it made Prince reconsider the Black Album, and thus we have this album, Love Sexy. Woo, there and what an album. Okay, so with that, why don't we go straight into the music and start off with track number one on this nine-song album that is uh, must be listened to in a continuous sequence. Song number one, track number one, I Know. Why don't you start this off, player? I know. Okay, I know opens up with the atmospheric spacey synth sound. I think it's the stock sound from a sound effects CD from memory. And you have Ingrid, Spirit Child, 
reciting the Rain is Wet poem, the keyboard synth sound that comes in just before she says everybody, everybody knows is the same synth motif in the Graffiti Bridge movie whenever Ingrid appears. It's the same sound. And then in the background, you hear the fire and the water sound effects, kind of like a reoccurring theme on this album, fire and water, good versus evil, love sexy versus spooky electric, heaven versus hell, love sexy versus black album. And that leads straight into the song itself, which was originally based on an outtake called The Ball. For me, this has a bare-bones live feel to it. The drums are pitched to sound almost like a timbali. The cymbals are just like splash sounds. I don't really hear a bass line as such in the track, but it has plenty of bass accents and plucking and stuff. It's a funky little track. Um, the horn, the fast horn riff is nice. The lyrics again deals with the struggle between heaven and hell. I like towards the end where he says, um, blow that devil away, say yes and say no. That's really cool. It's a cool way to open the album. I, I like this track. Toe Jam. Yeah, as player said, it's got that kind of intro which sort of sets the mood and especially having the cd with it being one track it kind of it draws you in it's like uh you know okay you know it's not just we're not just going straight into the song there's like a little intro to kind of set you up uh which is kind of cool very interesting bits where he says you know the reason why my voice is so clear is there's no smack which is potentially referencing the black album thing the play was talking about earlier uh and when he's saying that there's this really soft and i never noticed it till someone posted on the org or something this whispering in in one side of the speaker where he's like uh this song belongs to god it's like radio prince thanks for that but yeah then it goes into the funky bass and that funky bass is really cool a really interesting sound it's very cartoony kind of sound uh mixolydian sharp four kind of scale which is very interesting cartoony kind of scale you can tell he's got this live idea like you can tell he's he's obviously just come off the sign of the times tour and he's got these whole chants going on it like the whole say yes say no uh here's what we're gonna do you know put your hands up straight in the air you can tell it's really designed to be played live which i think is really cool it's got this massive turnaround in the song this dun 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 swan up swan up on the guitar really cool big turnaround and there's a lot of those in this on this album actually i'll get to a few of those as we go through the horns in the last minute and a half are really bebop lines that all this cool stuff and there's just all this cool hidden stuff all throughout it like the whole hundle cilia call out whatever the hell that means all the serve it up frankie just cool stuff going all the way through very headphony the whole album's very headphony but this song in particular there's a tiny little horn riff that just sort of pops in every now and then and I'll just mention that. It's not that super, but I'll mention it because it comes back to something later on in the album. At the end of the song, when it's sort of it's finished and the, you have the people clapping and cheering and you get this sort of slow arpeggio happening in the horns. Dun, 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 and then they finish on this real clashy note. It's such an interesting way to finish the song. And getting quickly onto the lyrics, again, this, it's this whole God is love, love is God thing, which just runs all the way through the album. A really interesting song. It's it's so funny, actually, because this is such a good song, but I hate to say it, it's probably one of the weakest on the album, which is amazing to me because it's such a good song, which I guess that sort of sets up what you might expect for me to say about this album, that the first song, as good as it is, is probably not one of the better ones <laughs> in terms of the album. That sounds terrible, but it's an awesome song. Okay, I'll leave it there. Okay. Well, look, I think it, it's a great opener, and it's so dense. And that's the thing that really opens up this album in such a dense manner. The Hunter Lucilia is just from another world. You know, you're entering this this new bold universe, the the new power universe, so to speak, with the um, processional sounding horns that abound all around this this track. I really like the clever mix of the percussive sounds. You know, you got the kick, the kick and the bass, just setting up this really sparse, minimal groove. 
and it's like a melting pot. Every time I think of this song, this album, but this song in particular, it's like this melting pot of sounds, screams, whistles, voices, instruments, all sorts of stuff. And for me, this is a conceptual opening, you know. Prince is saying, you know, you look at him on the cover, you listen to him here, you know, yelping, screaming, singing in his falsetto, saying, I'm get- I'm heading in a new direction. This is the start of a whole new, you know, spiritual revolution. That's the vibe I get when I listen to this song. The only thing is, some of the drums sound a little thin, and I don't know, like, like a tin drum or something like that. Now, I don't know if that's just a CD version that I listened to recently or, or or whether it does actually sound like that in you know on on vinyl but spooky electric who is this guy who is this mysterious spooky electric love sexy you know he references love sexy in this song it's like what is that what what does this all mean but to me this song really at the end of the day is a headphone masterpiece as is much of this album it's got this kind of strange to me it sounds like a it's I don't know what time signature it is but it's certainly not 44 uh, it's it's four four, but is it? It's just it's well, very. It, it doesn't sound like it with all that stuff going happening over yeah. the top of it. It sounds so like much happening. So yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like as you know a standard kind of dance or, or funk song. Hey though. hey, who was typing then? Who was typing? I dropped a pen. Well, that's that noisy. So yeah, it, it, minus it, five <laughs> points. Minus five <laughs> points. <laughs> So yeah, so, so so to Toe Jam, to Toe Jam's correction, it's always good to have a, a a more musical person on the show. But um, there's so much going on on the top that it just it gives you this disjointed feel throughout. Yeah, to me, this is a great opener. It's very very strong, and with that, we go to Captain. I'm going to talk about I know track number one. Okay, straight off, this is probably my second favorite song on this album. I love the bass, which I think is mostly a synth bass, but it's just this simple riff, and it it works so well in this track. You've got these funky little guitar bits all over the place, and then you've even got some heavy distorted stomp box bass notes here and there. Like when he says, till my day is done, listen to the insane bass notes. Those bits are really cool. You've got the great late Bonnie Boyer just screaming ahead off all over the place, uh, and that's always a good thing. 2.15, you've got the weird change interlude thing, but again, it just fits perfectly in this song. Now, there's so many cool little things in this track, and I'm going to start here. There's this very dodgy lo-fi hi-hat that comes in at about 2.57 only on the left channel and it goes on for about the next minute or so it almost sounds like the initial drum loop he might have done like the basic tracking to and he just left it in there but listen to that it starts about 2.57 and it's only in the left speaker that's a cool little thing to hear uh, I think Jam said you've got Serve It Up Frankie at about three minutes in, which was on something on the Black Album or Madhouse Album, it was somewhere. And as soon as that, the dodgy hi-hat drops out at 3.52, then you've got all these bongos and percussion stuff kicks in, which I'm guessing is Sheila. Uh, I'm not going to go into every single thing because we'll be here for months. But I heard so many things that I've never heard before when I listened to this on headphones the last few weeks. This has to be one of his most dense albums. There's just so much going on in most of these tracks. It's just insane. And the whole, this whole album was recorded in you know a very short time. Player said this uh, song is was based on a track called The Ball, which was, I think, on going to be on Crystal Ball. That outtake has never been released and probably never will be now that it, it's been morphed into this one. But the interesting thing is... The non-release of Crystal Ball in its original form still left all these musical ideas he had, you know, rattling around in his brain, and they had to come out somewhere, somehow, and they were too good to waste, so it's good they turned up here. 
So many things to say about this song. He says Savoir Faire, which he used in the song Seven. So there, ha ha, little thing. My favorite misheard lyric is near the end of the song where they're talking, and I know the guy says Crabtree, but I've always heard it say my name's Andre Crabshit the Third, and I've always heard it like that, and it's not going to change it, even though I know what it is. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was Crab Meat. My name is Andre Crab Meat, no, but that's just me. No. I think the official thing is Crabtree, but from day one, I always heard my name's Andre Crabshit the Third. And I'm never going to change my thinking. I don't care. Nothing's going to change that. But the, the last thing to say is this is one of... Actually, any song on this album would be good if he played it live today. But especially this one and another one we'll get to later. Maybe not with the current rock rockin' out band, but he'll get back to a full band eventually. And if he played this, it, it'd just kill everyone in the building. And that's uh, that's this song. The end. Wow, what what an opener, eh, guys? There, there, there is it one... is. It's a bloody excellent, excellent opener. There's it only is. one other song which would have been better. Yeah, it, it's very strong, and it really points in the direction of what's to follow. In a way, I know, I think, is this album summed up in one single song. It's really got everything, doesn't it? But there's, there's one obvious thing that we haven't really spoken about, and I'll, I have to say this quickly before we move on, but... Lyrics. Yeah, what this song is, exactly Toe Jam, what this song is about. This is Prince rediscovering God. This this song is about a man who has rediscovered Jesus Christ, the Lord, his saviour. It is funky as, you know. All get out. Funkier than a mosquito's tweeter, that's right. But the thing is, this is a heavy, heavy religious song, heavily spiritual heavily positive but that's really what it's about i mean that was um, the one that was the one thing that the reason why i said it's not like it's an amazing song and i hate saying this but that's one of the reasons why i said it wasn't my favorite on the album not one of my favorites anyway for that reason because it's like you know he's saying i know i know this and i'm thinking well i don't know that yeah (laughs) and we've got we've gone down this line before haven't we about universal themes and what's universal and what isn't what's dogmatic and what isn't and all this kind of stuff and and let's you're right, Hojim. Let's not go into into that too heavily. However, the one other thing I will say about the lyrics is how pronounced his beliefs are in this. I mean, if you really listen to what he's talking about, he's saying, you know, I'm not going to listen to what Spooky Electric say is saying, and you know, obviously it's a reference to the devil. When the devil calls my name, I don't listen. I only listen when you know who calls his name. When God calls his name, of course, but. You know, he's saying, love's the only way till I die. It, the very, 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 very clear references there and, and very, very clear, a very clear meaning comes out of this song. As much as Prince is an incredibly funky artist, love sexy is the one till his day is done. There's no two ways about it. But, but, but just concluding my little lyrical analysis, and it's hardly an analysis, more really a commentary, running commentary on what he's talking about. I do like some of these lyrics, in particular the ones that say, um, uh, say no if you want a drug. Say no uh, if you need a drink every single day. Blow that devil away. So, it's kind of like, you know, aside from the religious and, and overtly religious and spiritual references, it's also about just saying no to negativity. And I, I can identify with that. And that's what I take out of it. You know, you, know, you don't want to live life under the gun. Um, we know a better way to have some fun. There's a heaven and a hell. And actually, what's really cool about that as well is the way, you know, the title of the song is I and then N-O. So, it's like, I, I know. So, it's like, I'm rejecting that stuff. That's, yeah. So, another aspect of it. 
Yeah, it's it's very creative in that in that aspect, actually, in that way. So it- you know, as much as you say this is like there's so much the religion stuff in this song, I can just listen to this song and not hear any of that. Me too. Even if I'm, but even if I'm singing the words. You know, it it's subliminal, Captain. He's getting you with his subliminal messages. But like stuff on Rainbow Children, so many people had problems with the lyrics. But I can just totally ignore. I mean, I could listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics and sing the lyrics. You know, that puts him off a bit. But I can totally ignore the meaning behind the and just they're just words, nothing. If I want them to mean nothing, no. <laughs> I I hear you. I, I can I hear you loud and clear. Uh, I know, I know what you're what you're trying to say <laughs> or what you are saying. But okay, Captain, let me put it to you this way: it's th- this isn't a show about us so much. But I just want to throw something your way very, very quickly. If you were an artist who took yourself seriously, right? Let's say you have a band. You've had a band. You still probably have a band. But you know, you put a piece of work together, even though you might not pay attention to the lyrics and what the song's about. I mean, the the artist that is Prince has undoubtedly put a whole lot of feeling, a whole lot of emotion and a whole lot of thought into this song, not just from a musical standpoint, but really he's preaching his newfound, I don't know what you'd call it, awareness. Uh, It's almost like the guy's had an epiphany and he just can't wait to tell the world about it. That's how I take this song. But at the same time, I agree with you guys, um, with everyone who's saying... You know, I can sing the lyrics and not really <laughs> be affected by them, or I can sing the lyrics just because they kind of sound good without reading too far into them. It's a really interesting, not dilemma, but it's an interesting kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone help me out. I mean, I can take the feeling, I can take, you know, the positivity and the fun from this song, mm. but just ignore, well, I don't even ignore it. I just don't even hear the religion yeah. aspect. Oh, yeah, you I agree. You, yeah, you don't pay like attention big, to it. You can, you, you can take it as a metaphor kind of thing. I yeah. mean, everyone's going to hear this song and hear whatever they want. Exactly. And that's that to me is the difference between this album and the Rainbow Children is that you exactly. can take the lyrics in this as a metaphor, but the Rainbow Children, some of it's a bit too specific. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. too preachy. That's a, that's a good contrast too. Okay, so... Yeah, that's I, the big difference is up until then, most of his relig- any sort of religion-based songs... They were very general and, you know, they could mean anything to anyone. And then you've got Rainbow Children and it goes, this is the only way and that's it. It was so specific. It's only about one way. Get on the boat or get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> get, get off my property. But this is, uh, this is really a, now that I, that, that I think about it in a little bit more detail, listening to what you guys are saying, this song and this album, it's a gospel record. In a way, this is a not a not a Prince. Like, Prince has said that himself. Oh, has he? Okay, has he? okay. because um, so I think someone in an interview said, "When are you going to record a gospel album?" And he said, "I already have. It's called Love Sexy." <laughs> good answer. Very good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's not gospel in the pure sense. It's in the traditional. Fo- it doesn't follow the traditional form, but the intent is very gospel-like. You know, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve. Um, he's wearing very little on the album cover and I think all of that all of that points in one direction and it's you just don't talk don't talk about one direction listen to the lyrics <laughs> exactly especially if we're talking about the album covers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say one thing about the album cover though what I see on that album cover is captain be careful here no 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 one no not literally one <laughs> word and that word is pure or purity. But that's what, when I look at that cover and, you know, the, the picture and the art and the no clothes, the image that I think he was trying to project was purity. Mm. Okay. So, uh, with that, let's go into Ida Nielsen's favorite song of all time. And I can only be referring to Alphabet Street. Well, go, well, down, down, down. It's 
a better day. Not Ooh, Sesame Ooh, Street, Ooh. Alphabet Street. It's song number two. Let's take it to uh, Captain. Do you think this is good or, or what? This is the big single right here. It's a very simple chord progression, uh, killer bass line. It's very, it's very stripped back compared to the first track. This is basically just drums, bass, guitar, vocals, and a bit of horns later on. Uh, I like the little bell sounds at 2.08. This song lasts just over two minutes before we get to part two, if you had the 7-inch vinyl single, that is, or the, even the cassette single, I think, had part one, part two as well. I love it when Kat is rapping, not because of Kat or her rap, or anything to do with her, but the bass when she's rapping is just slamming along, and Prince is going off in the background. Just listen to him at 2.50 and 2.55. It's just cool. And the instrumental part kicks off at 3.16, and again, the bass is just killing it. There's some cool guitar riffs in there. There's a real cool little guitar. It starts at it goes 3.35 to 3.43. Listen to that. I love the outro riff that starts at 4.07, and then the, you got the hand claps, and you've got that, there's this crazy discordant horns. I know the bit you're talking about. Okay. It's that bit where they're going, dun, 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 and they're sort of playing these two different notes. Uh, there's a keyboard solo at 4.39. I love the classic church organ sound that comes in at 5.10 because it's the Roland D50 right there. And uh, that's all I've got to say about this song. I like it. Uh, it's not my favorite song, but it's, it's, a, it's a good song. I have to agree with you there, Captain. My review will be short and sweet, just like Alphabet Street itself. Actually, what am I talking about? Six minutes of funk. But the popping bass is so freaking funky, it's ridiculous. The guitar chord's instantly memorable. The drum pattern's unique. The production's dense. And the guitar squeals in the back. Uh, Lots of record spinning and scratching and all sorts of interesting noises in the background. This is a really creative song. It's it's got funky rhythm guitar, off-kilter horns, which I'm sure Toe Jam and Player will reference, and sound effects galore. Interesting drum programming. You know, a lot of people mention Ballad Ballad of Dorothy Parker, When Doves Cry, and the list goes on and on and on. Mr. Goodnight. No, just joking. But uh, this has got some uh, really interesting drum programming. But yeah, listen to the percussion on this. It's and the just... perc- yeah, it's something to behold, that's for sure, especially when you've got, when you got two cans over your ears. And everything is just full till ahead. It's like, what does this all mean? Who knows? We're going down, down, down to Alphabet Street. This is a milkshake of funk and grit. Great video too. And I have to say that 2003, October 2003, is the absolute best version of this song that I've ever heard live. Prince, the NPG, and Mr. Larry Graham on bass. That was just otherworldly. They tore the roof off with that song. For anyone who was there at the basement after show, you know what I'm talking about. And with that, we go to player. And this segues from the last song with the party trash talk. I really like that section. Goes into Alphabet Street, which is basically a blues song updated into a pop dance track. Um, I agree with what you said, MC. The beat is a classic example of Prince being an original cutting-edge beat maker. You've got the classic chicken grease guitar riffs. The bass is insane, nice and deep. There's no real chorus other than the yeah, yeah, yeahs, which is nice. And from there, the instrumentation builds with more and more layers, car screeching, sound effects, etc. The lyrics are playful and funny, you know. I'm going to put her in the back seat and drive her, dramatic pause, to Tennessee. (laughs) Just, you know, the innuendo is hilarious. And then, just when you have the song all figured out, ultimately, Prince just wants to watch. Just really, really cool. Really playful. You have the Thunderbird references, which became one of the iconic symbols of this Love Sexy era. 66! 
Yes. <laughs> then it goes. Seven. Then it goes into the cat rap, which isn't bad. It's not going to change the face of hip hop or anything, but the playfulness of it matches the song. And finally, it closes out with the extended instrumental section with some cool sax lines from Eric Leeds. Just a really fun song. It's one of my favourites. And I agree with you, MC. The video, too, is very cool, only because it's kind of different for a Prince video. Most of them are, like, performance-based videos. And this is sort of performance-based, but it's got effects and stuff, even though it's kind of 80s when you watch it now. And, you know, it looks like it's filmed on, like... um, videotape the colors bleeding and stuff it's kind of like a sort of a cheap i guess it is a cheap production but it is kind of like it matches all the era and stuff it's really cool it's a paisley park production (laughs) yeah definitely and with that we go to toe jam the man all right uh so before we started this album review i was talking to you guys and i said there's three songs on this album that on any given day could be my favorite song of all time and this is one of them this is such a funky song and this was the one when i had the hits volume one which i bought primarily for 1999 and then you know you listen to it you listen to the album and slowly a few other songs start to you know grab your ears and this was this was probably the second one maybe along with pop life and i just remember thinking man this this is a really funky song and and what cuts through every time for me is those yeah 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 is like just the layered vocal on that it's just so thick and creamy the chord progression is really simple as player said just basically a sort of blues variation but that bass and that beat is just killer all the way through uh, i love the little sort of electronic cowbells kind of sound that's sort of just sort of in the background of the the main big beat of the kick drum and the, and the um cowbells uh, oh it's some it's, i don't know what it is <laughs> some sort of some sort of tinkly <clears throat> thing i don't know but it sounds it's not, really a, cool. it's not a wood block something i don't know <laughs> And this whole thing, I imagine Prince was watching Sesame Street and going, I'm going to funk this stuff up, which is what he's done, I reckon. Because this is just so playful, like the whole, you know, it's it's Sesame Street. It's it's Prince doing Sesame Street. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And I just love the, the positivity of the whole thing and the way it builds. And um, there's a big turnaround as well, obviously. Uh, there's the yeah, 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 dun, 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 which goes down. But then at 2.16, it goes up. Dun, and that's where it's like, uh, what's the lyric for it? We're going down. And so it's the same thing, but it goes up. And then, you know, you get that marching sound and you get the horns playing this sort of marching line. And it's like, it, it's almost like um, the song We March at that point, uh, but much better, obviously. Uh, and then it's this real positivity marching down the street, you know, with all our letters jumping around. It's cool. Uh, and for me, the, the whole message of the song is, you know, put the right letters together and make a better day. It's just straight, you know, positive, positivity again. That would have been a great idea for the video, just him, like, marching down the street with every, all the band dressed up as letters. That would have been great. That, I'd watch that video over and over. I love the video. I, I think the video is cool, all the hidden messages and all the dancing. and. Uh... Don't buy the Black Album. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, again, following along from my notes, it's this whole cartoony kind of theme. You've got all the car screeches and you've got this funky oud. Do I forget how you pronounce it? Percussion instrument. Ood. Um, ood, that's it, of course. What else have we got here? You've got Ingrid Chavez counting the alphabet. Uh, in and a very she, sexy voice, and, and she, she forgets miss, the letter. She a letter. And I always found, personally, I always found when she said F, that was the the sexiest one. The way she says that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, what's interesting about that, as when when she first pops up in the first song, you know, you get all that sort of spacey synth, and just before she starts saying all that the alphabet and Alphabet Street, you also get that sort of spacey synth coming along. So it's like this sort of theme that every That's time the Spirit song. Lady comes along. That's her theme this, song. That's her theme song. There's a little spacey synth going on. But like in Graffiti Breach, every time Ing- like Ingrid shows up, that that's, that keyboard thing comes in. It's the same yeah. thing. It's like a recurring theme all the way through. 
Ingrid got sick of it after a while, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, again, you've got that live chance kind of thing, that one, two, three, shot, one, two, three, hole, going through. Again, really geared for the live thing. And I know I've been talking about the song for a while now, but it's just so sticky and funky, isn't it? This would, on, on any given day, this can be my favorite song ever, I think. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tejum. It's one of those songs that, if done right, can just blow the socks off pretty much everything, kind of. Like, especially when they speed it up. I, he's been speeding this up in recent years, and I just think that's that, that's even better, you know? Really? I, 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 lo- I love those live versions, but I, I don't think anything's ever touched the studio version. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the studio version is just impeccable, impeccably produced. And even with all the, like, the tire screeching and all the all the sound effects, it just sounds perfect the way it is, I guess. There's you one know, thing I've got to say as well that we no one's mentioned is it's got that... It was very similar to the one in Just As Long As We're Together. Oh, yeah. Ten years on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's got it's got a lot of music, cool musical motifs and very recognisable ones in the Prince in the in the Prince canon. But w- one thing that I forgot to mention just before we go on to track number three is um well two things actually one the part in the song where he, this is this is a lyrical reference where he starts talking about we're going down 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 if that's the only way to make this cruel cruel world hear what we've got to say put the, and then put the right letters together and make a better day. I always find that really interesting because is he saying we're going down, down, down as in I'm going to talk about sex and sensuality and I'm going to get you all hot and bothered to to get you to pay attention to what I'm saying and then I'm going to, you know, slip in some subliminal messaging about peace and love and I never and, heard uh, it that way. I always, always imagine that bit is like going downtown, you know, we're going down, down to the town, you know, MC, going uptown kind of thing. You just blew my mind. Okay. <laughs> I've never thought about that, but that is very that's that's very good. Well, it's only a guess. I mean, no, I that's that's very likely. I think that's that sort of idea has been in his head for a long time, and every now and then it, it comes out. I think you're right. I think you hit it right there. Because I, I I mean I see I see the possibility to Toe Jam's point that maybe it's literal. They you know they're all marching down 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 into the center of town. And they're, they're rioting, you know, we're, we're going to make sure everyone hears what we've got to say. I mean, that's also a distinct possibility. But I'm just thinking around this time, he was doing some work with, with Mavis and writing lyrics for some for some songs for her and producing her albums. And, you know, we've all seen the Omnibus Prince documentary from around this era where, you know, there's that famous scene where Mavis Staples is talking about Prince presenting her those lyrics about, you know, I'm coming across or I'm... Like a, like a like dog, a dog in, in heat, and all this kind of stuff, and and how he was deeply you know, spiritual songwriter, really. And I just, I kind of think, yeah, maybe there could be something to it. So anyway, that's just my um, guess for the day. But the second thing about this song Ten is points. <laughs> from Captain. The second thing about this song is, I think this song is immensely influential, and it's immensely inf- immensely influential because you know we mentioned Eda Nielsen saying it was immensely immensely funky and and one of her favorite songs ever, but so many artists reference this song in interviews, in articles that I've read. Even casual fans know this song and they know this video and they just jam to it. It's uh, it's almost like a Prince standard, you know. I- I- again, I. I really feel that way. But the thing about this song, and I think the artist that this song influenced the most in the 90s anyway, is Beck. Definitely. Yeah. Without a doubt, you listen to this and then you listen to basically Beck's entire discography from the 90s. And it's like, 
that pastiche style of putting a, a song like this together is so evident in his work that I think he's definitely um, he owes Prince something. Well, and I, it's we like all know he's every, a fan. Every review of Midnight Vultures is always like, "This is Beck's love sexy," you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm actually thinking of of a little bit before then, about '96 era and and Beck's album Odelay, and he's got so many songs on there that are so they, they sound so disjointed and they sound so put together. Really mixed together like a collage more than anything else. But anyway, that's those are my two final thoughts on this song. But it is incredibly funky, isn't it? So with that, let's move on to track number three, Glam Slam. Uh, player, you feeling Glam Slam the songs? Yeah, I really like this song, and the lyrics are so nonsensical, I think, where this song succeeds is where it captures an elated emotion that matches the love sexy concept, even if the song itself doesn't really make much sense. It opens up with the guitar, and again, I think I've mentioned this once before, the pedals or the tone he has during this era is my all-time favourite, and the guitar used here makes the song really sore and sing sounds very joyous. The beat at the beginning reminds me of Around the World in a Day a little bit. Oh, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. The string sections are obviously a keyboard synth, but it's still I, I still like it regardless, especially the vamped up coda ending section. That's really, really cool. Glam Sam has enough twists and turns in the song to make it an interesting listen, very uplifting, very positive song. And, yeah, I like it a lot. It's cool, cool. All right. Toe Jam. So, I said last song that there were three songs that on any given day could be my favourite song of all time, and this is the second one. I love this song as well, and mainly just because it's an absolute masterpiece of composition and arrangement. This song goes in so many different places. It's so thick. There is so much happening at any given point in time. It's such an interesting interesting musical elements all the way around. You've got this sort of motif, this da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then it's just, what is that, six notes, six, seven notes? And it just sort of pops up all over the place in different ways varied in different ways all the way through and i've got this down as the the dream song in terms of you know this is the i can't imagine anyone else composing this song this is just one of those things like ballad of dorothy parker or doves cry just those kind of things that just that only prince could compose it's in his brain and no one else could replicate i think the song starts off with the player said it sounded like around the world in the day i I thought it sounded a bit like the sign of the times like the the sound of the the beat with the sort of blips sort of things. you got this cool percussion all the way through. you got maracas starting at 40 seconds. And you got this weird key change at a minute 19 that just goes to a completely different key, completely funkier. And you've got that whole lyrics about, you know, flicking nipples and water rippling. It's just like, this song is just, you know, this is like a musical version of Prince's Wet Dream or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> Uh, at 1.35, you've got one of those moments. It's just a classic Prince moment where he's like, Glam, slay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just uh, one of those, you know, one of those <laughs> two seconds snippets. If you could pick out little bits, like that would be one of my favorite bits of all time, that, that when it comes in. And then he finishes it with this really low, thank you, ma'am. Yep. Uh, really cool. 151, it goes back to the original key. 212, it's the next verse, but it gets heavier. He's sort of chugging along in the guitar. Uh, and then it goes to this bit at 251 where it all quietens down and you've got him going, it's all right, it's okay. And then whammo, at three minutes, it goes to this massive jam section. Uh, the synth strings have never sounded better. Percussion's going all over the place. You've got the bass going, bow, after every, on each bar, second beat of each bar. It's crazy stuff. 341, you've got this really crazy synth 
synth strings again, just going nuts. Oh, I love that whole last section. And then you've got the end of the song, which is sort of like a, a big segue outro, which is the sort of sounds sort of improvised, scary piano keyboard outro, but obviously with the synth string sort of sound. And you've got this really weird, you know, the song kind of stops, the percussion stops, and then you hear this da 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 and then in the background, you just hear this little plop of percussion. I think that's really cool. Almost like the percussion players are leaving and they accidentally drop a stick or something. That's what it sounds like. But it's clearly like just synths anyway. So. But that segue is really effective, actually, in setting up the next song, I think. Uh, and again, a really excellent example of that this is not just a, a song. Well, it is a song, but like the way it segues into Anastasia, I think, is really well. Because the songs are so different that it needed something to sort of bridge the two. And that, that little outro at the end works perfectly, I think. So yeah, this is an amazing song. One of my favorites of all time. Back to back with Alphabet Street. Can't get better for this. This is, to me, they, these two songs back to back are like, this is absolute classic Prince for me. Um, I'm uh, half surprised to hear you say that about Glam Slang to be saying on any given day, it could be the best song of all time in your mind. On any given day. I mean, I, I, yeah. it wouldn't be all the time, but when I'm listening to it, there's times I'm like, man, this song just kicks. Wow. Cool. I'm going to have and, to and, and again, this. Let's, let's not forget the live sexy version as well. Yeah. That rock as well. Definitely. Uh, Captain, what are your thoughts on this? Well, can I say I think this is the weakest song on this album? You can say what you like. We are. You can uns- say that, Captain. You can say that, Captain, but you know what? But I'd be show. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you can say what you like. We are unscripted it's- and we are, you know. You've already said it, if I was your girlfriend. Is- <laughs> so you can <laughs> yeah. say whatever you like about Glam Slam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got a, like a love hate thing with this song. When I listen to it, for this review and listen to like all the little bits and then all the stuff which I'll get to I'm like yeah this is pretty good but just whenever I think of this song I just think eh, whatever it's not a song I ever go oh I've got to listen to Glam Slam when I get home it's not one of those songs but okay this is what I'll say about this song I like the guitar in it there's just these random high notes just thrown in all over the place and the tone I'm guessing it's that white Oswald guitar is just it's great I'll go with the cloud I don't know uh, it's just got this killer tone and it's got some good lyrics. I like the sun is risen, moon is gone, soda fizzing on the lawn. That's, that's, that's great. That's great lyrics. That's great lyrics. That's bad English. Uh, and when he says, when he says, come a butterfly straight on your skin, behind that there's this electric guitar, just harmonic bends flying all over the place. And it's excellent. I can listen to that all day. And Toe Jam said the same things I'm going to say. I think 210, 211, you get into the next verse and the, the big bass and the chugging guitars kick back in and then again, the whole song basically ends at like 250, 252 and then it goes off to like a whole nother world. That's totally different. And then it's this sort of atmospheric, percussive, synths all over the place, instrumental outro for the song. But yeah, there's not much more on this. The last minute of it's just the, you know, stuffing around on the keyboard. Oh, the only other thing I'll say about this song... Without this song, we would never have heard Get Off on Diamonds and Pearls. So I'll say that because this song is Glam Slam, which he then reworked into Glam Slam 91, which contained most of the lyrics to Get Off. And then he finally changed it to Get Off, and then Get Off came out. So this is it. If it wasn't for Glam Slam, you you wouldn't have Get Off. So some people, you might know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's all. You know, I'm so happy we're reviewing this album today, tonight, because... All this, all of these things that you guys are mentioning that I either didn't think of or didn't notice while I was listening to the music is, is really interesting. 
To me, I'm kind of with Captain on this. Every time I hear this song, I recognize heaps of disparate elements that I really like. But as a whole, it doesn't do much for me. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's kind of like- kind of how I feel about I Know. Like, I think you guys feel like the same way I feel about I Know. It's such a good song, but it's like not as good as the rest of the album, perhaps. Yeah. It's a great song. It's a great song. I'm saying it's a great song because it's hard to say it's anything other than that. <laughs> when you think about everything that goes into it, from the sound of the guitar to to Captain's mention of those harmonic bends and all the wild guitar playing that's happening on in the background, and you've got Bonnie Boyer and, and all sorts of voices happening. Yeah, there's just so much you could say about this song, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you guys a little bit about what I heard. You know what you could say? Just this album in general. You could say it's overwhelming. It is. It there's is. Just, it, there's just so much. Like, you don't know what to listen to. There's just so much stuff. And when you try to talk about it, you know, you just go forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You summarize it really well, actually, Captain. It's like, it's almost like, I feel like saying the best way to review this album is just to listen to it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because it's yeah. like, our, our review cannot do these songs justice, as far as I'm concerned. At all. Yeah. It's like, you want to review this album? Don't listen to our show. Just put the album on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, I, I, it, do, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't help our ratings, but I, I feel happy or comfortable saying that because it's the truth. But, all right. So, signing off. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a great four or five years, guys. Uh, look, back to the song, Glam Slam. It sounds otherworldly. It's like it's got this world beat percussion in underlying this song and propelling it forward. But what is he talking about? I mean, if he was on a bad trip during the making of or after the making of the Black Album, I reckon he's still on that trip when he's comp- when he's putting this song together. Listen to the music for one. It's astounding. It's it's hauntingly beautiful. It's just sugar pop candy. Sounds amazing. But first of all, the title, Glam Slam, to me, this song should just be retitled Either wham bam thank you ma'am, which is obviously where the where the whole thing comes from, and I think it's a play on the, on that phrase when he sings glam slam thank you ma'am. But this is just pure sex to me. I mean, does anyone else get anything different from this song? Because for me, glam slam is just sex. He's just I've he never is, thought of that at all. You're kidding me. He is having oh. sex all the time. It's about physical. <laughs> it's about physical <laughs> contact. That's all this song is about. It's I've about never got that at all. This Doesn't is, he say it, it transcends the physical? Yeah, it transcends the physical, but you got to get to the physical first. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think I'd this say is it's more spiritual than physical. I don't know when I'm listening to it. Really? It's, oh, it, it I don't. Both. It is both. It's almost it, like. Yeah. It, it's sex akin to a religious experience. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Very so good. Those royalty checks hey, player, in. that should go in the uh, next tour book. What do you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But we'll look out you know, for when, when he says this thing we got, it's alive. I, I think he's talking about a sexual relationship. When it seems to transcend the physical, I think he's talking about the sexual act itself transcending a physical experience one touch and i'm satisfied you know that's all he needs it must be a dream it's so magical glam slam or in other words wham bam thank you ma'am you really make my day i mean this is prince saying i love having sex but it's more than that it's not just about the physical encounter because you know if that was it if there was nothing more to it life wouldn't make much sense so you of just course. about went and ruined this song for me, even though I didn't like it that much. I like it even less if it's about sex. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense, Captain. <laughs> at all. Oh, <laughs> I never you know, thought you got about the, um, that at all. 
How can you not think about that? It's got like you know heavy feather. I don't think about what these songs are about. <laughs> heavy feather. I just listen to it and I'm like, okay, it's a song. He named his nightclub after it. Okay, fine, that's it. And what do you think they did at that nightclub? Captain, play music? No, they had sex. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's even from the from the point of view of um, I, I just need to go deeper into these lyrics. But even from the point of view of Glam slam, thank you, ma'am. I pray you'll always stay. To me, that's like saying he's had some incredible, you know, just a great session with someone. <laughs> but oh, he's. No. But stop talking. <laughs> stop talking about you this. Can, Let's well, move but on. It, it's the truth, Captain. Are you ready for the oh, truth? May you lift it's us your the door, interpretation on, of the truth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I pray you always stay. I hold you too tight. I just can't seem to get close enough. I mean. I want to hold you every night. I'm so horny and you're the stuff. I mean, can it get any more literal than that? Uh, and then I'm not going to read all of the lyrics out, but there is this thing about... It's like um, Captain at an all-you-can-eat buffet, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> one taste, one taste, and he is satisfied. Satisfied, yeah. <laughs> so, if I, that's I, I never thought this song was about sex. But if I thought it was about anything, it would have been Burgers, about yeah. God. It would have been about God and religion thing. You know what I think it is. I'm about to go deep on you guys right now. I don't. Th- it's it's more than just about sex. This is about a one night stand, and not just one of the many one night stand. I think this is about casual sex. I think this is about just casual sex in the very <laughs> very traditional sense of the term. Oh, and I'm not saying he's having sex. Let's just let's just pretend that Prince is just a storyteller Even and he's Prince and he's, is listening to this right now going, <laughs> "What the hell is he talking about?" I was talking about candy or something. <laughs> Opening up a nightclub. No, no, but okay, let's let's bring this back. Let's steer this shit back on course, okay? I think I've I've made my um my inter- interpretation of this song very clear, but when you think about it, from my point of view, this is an incredibly audacious song because he's talking about this is Prince justifying his sexual experiences or his view on other people's sexual experiences and trying to cloud it in in a positive light, in a spiritual light, in it, it's in something otherworldly and much more than just a physical act. And then there's the music, which we've all spoken about. So, speaking of the music, going back to to the what, what you actually hear, this is like the Muppets. No. Literally is like the Muppets. It's like the Muppets theme music in parts. First, You really make my day. Do, 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 do. Glam. Yeah, Slam. it's positivity. That's man. all. <laughs> anyway, the outro is the best bit with that keyboard, uh, those keyboard lines and the acoustic guitar strums and plenty more percussion with that. The keys are just going off. There's some weird stuff yeah. happening. And you're right, Captain. It is another world. The vocal harmonies in the background are lush. What else can you say about We're this song? It'll, it will, it will polarize audiences, but it's like, yeah, to me, it's like Elmo and his friends. That they they are the uncredited background vocalists on this album well, on, on this on this song. Out, it's just gonna go mental. Well, that's a, that, that's you're gonna I, start a war. You're gonna start I, a war. All I wish for the world is peace and positivity, Captain. And with that, let's go into track number four, and it's about to get even heavier, guys. Anastasia. Let's open up this review by giving ToeJam the floor. ToeJam, 
All right. Well, Alphabet Street, Glam Slam, as I said, up there as two of my favorite songs of all time. Anastasia comes so close. It comes so close. It's definitely, oh, it's, it's up there as one of the best songs ever, but I don't think it's quite, for me anyway, just misses out on being in the league of Alphabet Street and Glam Slam. But yeah, the song is just pure emotion, isn't it? Really minor sounding, C minor, F minor. And it's just a big story. And what I love about the song is the kind of uh, monotony of the, the bass and the drums and the piano hardly change the whole song, but it's all the interplay that goes along and the way it, and everything else that builds, all the extra vocals, the extra guitars, the horns, the synths. They're doing all this interplay that go along with the story that's being told. That's the highlight, listening to all that. And, um, you know, his vocal at the beginning, just this monotone vocal, it, it, and it sounds like he's about to cry and you kind of you feel for him. And you've got that weird little bass synth noise at the beginning. Cool sound. You've got this sort of turnaround again, another sort of feature of the album, this big turnaround. In this one, it's a da-da-da-da-da. It sort of, you know, finishes each phrase and then goes into the next one with that big turnaround. The lyrics are very deep and meaningful. It's clearly a very spiritual track for Prince, and that's probably the thing that I feel... Sometimes I feel I can relate to the song, and other other times I just feel like the Rainbow Children, I guess. It's a little bit too specific that I just kind of feel I can't relate to it, and that's the only thing that sort of drops it a bit for me. But some really emotive stuff. At 2.11, you've got this big, loud scream. 3.15, you've got the guitars and the synths doing this, and just building and building and building and building, and then that's where the, the sort of climax is, where it goes into the love is God, God is love chant. And then it still builds from there. It keeps building and building. And uh, prior to that, the song's kind of in a very dark minor sound, an aeolian sound and then at 420 the way the synths build and the guitar builds it sort of changes to a dorian minor sound which is a bit more upbeat i guess and that's when you get the hand claps coming in on the twos and fours so it's sort of the whole song builds and by the end of it it's kind of like this positive message you know um so i love the transition of that whole section in the in the middle half of the song so what an amazing song one of prince's most loved i think for most prince fans and it's and again just another stellar track on this album cool cool player what are your thoughts on this one uh, for me, this song's quite revealing. Uh, like we said before, the title's a play on words, Anathesia. It basically outlines the story of the Black Album and the Love Sexy Album and the experience and how it came to be, if you really dig deep into the lyrics. Basically, it starts off where he says, between white and black, night and day, black night seem like the only way, so I dance. So he's here he's basically saying he had a choice and initially he chose to go with the Black Album and you know, he danced to that. The next line, music late, nothing great, no way to differentiate, I took a chance. So I see this line about Prince taking a chance as Prince allegedly taking the ecstasy tablet as the story goes and not knowing anything better. Then you hear some strange sound effect noises and then a rising synth pad noise. And this is, I guess, what he encounters while stripping on this alleged ecstasy tablet and, you know, the experience that he sort of envisions where Gregory looks just like a ghost and then a beautiful girl the most wets her lips to say you know we live for a little while if you can learn how to smile you and i can fly away fly away so yeah like so he describes the trip and gregory and who i'm assuming is brother brooks looking like a ghost and the beautiful girl i guess is ingrid who basically puts the idea into prince's head to reconsider the black album for something better um the lyrics go on basically say uh, now he understands, and I'll tell your story, and so on. So he really explains the epiphany that he has. I also think it's why a lot of fans gravitate to this song, because it's Prince laying out 
on the line, bearing his soul. And when he's so honest in his emotions, it really works and he can make that connection with his fans. On the musical side, the piano riff is nice and distinctive. It continues throughout the track. The drums are nice, live and organic sounding. Sounds like Sheila E. Sheila E's playing style. The guitar again, it's great tone, inspirational solos with lots of sustain. I also like how the lyrics match the music in the sense that in the beginning he talks about being lonely and the music there is quite subdued and then it builds all the way through musically to the climax where he's found, so to speak. Love is God, God is love, girls and boys love God above. Just an amazing song, an amazing personal experience late to wax and it's one of the highlights of the whole album. The whole love is God, God is love thing. That is such an amazing lyric. That's such a good lyric. I mean, if that is what God is, then that's amazing. But I don't know that that's all that Prince thinks it is. And I'll just leave it there. Mm. And again, this is my only problem with this, this song is the whole, forgive me, Jesus, I've been a fool. And it's like, ah. Oh, How could I forget I, you are the rule? Yeah. And it's like, well, is he the rule? I don't know. I don't know that he's the rule. So anyway, stop me. Stop me now. Stop me I now. think it's just his way of saying he sort of lost his way. Yeah. yeah and he's found it. He sounded in Jesus. He got, yeah, or he got his house in order or, or something, hmm. you know. So, Jim, when you listen to these songs about religion, do you is that like the conversation that goes on in your head? Like he says something and you're like, but I don't believe that. Is, is, is that <laughs> what you think like, every time you I listen? It's, it's the unrelatability to it. That's what, And I, I never used to feel that way about it, but to me it, like, it just kind of sticks out and I'm like, oh, really? Okay. I think Jam and I are pretty... S- similar in that regard because a lot of the times Tojan, when you say this sort of stuff i um i feel in a um similar way because yeah that's that's um just to bookend off what what Tojan was mentioning that's the one thing that is obviously apparent when you when you listen to anastasia if you listen to the lyrics there's really they're not ambiguous they're not ambiguous in the same in any way in a way that the lyrics to let's go crazy are for example and there are other examples, but that's probably the the, the one, uh, the best example I can think of where he's using all sorts of metaphors that could mean different things depending on the listener. I think once you start calling out Jesus specifically, uh, then then it really makes it um, completely about something else. Whoever said that the, the tone of his voice and the the emotive nature of his singing and, and the dark mood of this, the undertone, the dark undertone to this song... Whoever mentioned those comments, I completely agree with those. It's it's one of the more intriguing listening experiences I've ever had to Prince's music and to Prince's artistry. It's an incredible, I think it's an incredible piece of piece of work, really. On you know the the trance like beat, the vocal style, the the voice, uh, the the tonality and and the tonal changes in, in the vocal delivery the power behind the beat, even though it's not an overly percussive song, it does have a quite strong snare. And um, it's kind of spooky, you know. I hate to use the word spooky because spooky electric, <laughs> those words come up a couple of times. But but it's true. It's eerie. It's an eerie song. And um, you've also got this kind of kick, kick drum intro with the keyboard that moves into a progressive drum beat and these cool guitar parts just fill in the space nicely. And um, his guitar playing is on point once again, I have to say, in this, on this album and on this song. And then you've got the synth bass, which is like, it's just filthy funk, but it's not, it's a weird type of funk. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it's, it's kind of scary to listen to, to this song. Um, yeah, it's sometimes. a kind of rubbery 
synth bass, but it's got a bit of fuzz on it or something, eh? Yeah, that, that's a good way to describe it, actually. And that's cool. But the, the, the thing that really, whenever I think of this song, I think of three things. I think of that really sparse drum sound, his unique robotic mantra-like vocal delivery. And then I think two-thirds of the way through the song where, you know, that part where his voice kind of sounds like it's breaking? That is just excruciating to listen to. <laughs> it's incredible. And then you've got the double... That, gi- that's what I had. The scream at 2.11. I wrote 2.11, scream loud, and I couldn't remember what it was. There's a scream in there where he goes, oh, and it's like it's it's like heaps louder in the mix than any other anything else. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? I'm talking about that one. And then there's also, there's also another part where his voice actually breaks while he's singing um, a lyric. And I haven't got the lyric in front of me. Oh, when he's singing, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe I could learn to love. I mean, the right way. I mean, the only way. Perhaps you could show me, baby. There's the, his voice breaks on, on one of those words. But it, back to the musical elements, you've got the double guitars and, and keys that, you know, play in tandem and really just kill it with the fake horns when they come in into this song. They're just The fake horns are brilliant in, in Anastasia. I want to go on record <laughs> as saying that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just to conclude, it's uh, quite something. It's incredibly unique incredibly powerful and if you took all the music out of this and just left it as a spoken word piece i think it's probably some of his best writing i mean even the i mean the gregory looks just like a ghost that whole paragraph from there about you know if you could just learn to smile you and i could fly away fly away it sounds so simplistic but at the same time there's a a disturbing quality a a disturbing timbre to, to the lyrics um Imagine this. You know what you just said? Imagine if you had the master tapes and you just muted all the instruments and it was just his vocals. Oh, wow, yeah. That would would be something. That would be something else. That That would be something else. (laughs) It's really otherworldly, this song. I was about to finish my review, but Captain, you got me thinking about something. It's really... um, Demonic's not the word. Definitely not. Because <laughs> demonic. It, but, but it's... This it's, is a song about God and love and yeah, yeah. it's demonic. <laughs> no, I know. I know, <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. It's, there's some bits that are coming from a dark place. They are, definitely. And they're like... Some of the background vocals are... They eerily cle- uh, creep into the main part of the mix like shadows dancing in the night, you know? Like you never quite know. It's like I could imagine the video clip to this song if there ever was one, would look fairly sparse and fairly dark. And, you know, I'm just picturing eyeballs peering from (laughs) within the shadows and, you know, a a guy called Gregory walking down down an aisle holding a candle or something. No, 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 wait a second. That's a Stephen King movie. What am I talking about? But this is, um, I'll just say, I think the, the, the lyrics are stark in themselves and they're very non-ambiguous they're very direct and you know straight down the line straight to the point and I, I for one feel that prince is one of the greatest within the pop music realm one of the greatest lyricists from the point of view of coming up with metaphors and using simile and using double entendre and all those um, lyrical elements but here he's like have you ever been so lonely that you felt like you were the only one in the world and and from then, it just builds and builds and builds into an incredible, to Toe Jam's point, love is God, God is love, girls and boys love God above crescendo. And that just repeats all the way out until the song reaches its conclusion. And and I'm kind of spent by the time this song's finished. It's an incredible, incredibly moving song. And I'd love to hear it live, Captain. 
you're spending. It's only uh, not even halfway through the album. <laughs> I know. What are we going to do? <laughs> okay, this is a very unique sounding song. As soon as you hear those piano chords at the start, you know straight away, you know what song it is. With the vocals, I... Like, you've got that monotone main lead vocal, but I much prefer, like, all the backing vocals. They're a lot more interesting through throughout the whole song. It's just more interesting. Uh, there's so many things in this song. There's a big gong sound just right on one minute. I always like that. And there's just so many cool little, we call them bells and whistles in this on this track. Just go and listen to 110, 117, 127, uh, 210 to 215. You've got 235, 237, 241. All of those time points, it's a different thing every time. It's a little piano thing. It's a little guitar thing. It's a triangle. It's just a different thing every time, and it's just all this stuff. It's it's just he spent some time on this one. And you've got the big fat synth bass, which uh, just sounds so good. There's... There's some really cool backing vocals, 245 to 250, just 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 a little bit, but I like it. I like the sound of the drums. I think MC said the drums has just got the big reverb. Oh, it sounds great. And I love the little keyboard part that comes in. It's 255 to 302. That's a nice little one. You've got these big organ swells, which uh, some people will have no idea what I'm talking about when I say this, but if you can listen to this out of phase... Listen to this song and listen to like the last minute and you've got, I mean, in the, just the normal mix, you can hear the big organ build up at the end, but it goes way back before that for like about a minute. These big swells like every four bars and you can't really hear it in the normal mix, but if you can listen to it out of phase, for anyone who knows how, go and do that and listen to that and that's, that's all I've got to say about that one. It's good. Awesome. <laughs> what, a, what an incredibly in-depth review of this song guys i mean i knew we were going to say a lot about it but i mean i I just love the song so much it was so cool listening to what you guys had to say about it and it's such an important song in his whole discography when you think about it like it is yeah i mean what player was saying before about it's a, a you know a personal song it's those songs that usually are his best songs the ones where he really you know, tells you something. And it's not just a story about working for Mr. McGee, you know? It's just it's not just some fantasy. It's like a real honest, there's truth in there. And they're usually the songs that connect with people more than Mr. McGee. Yeah. Po- sure. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it depends on the listener. But there's not many songs where he says, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, you're the loneliest person in the world. You know, yeah, you, don't, you don't often hear things like that come out of his mouth. Exactly, and and not only and do when we he not does, hear, you listen. Yeah, and and especially when it's when it's delivered, you know, brought forward in such a compelling way. I think this song is. I think I just found my new word for the day: compelling. It, it is highly compelling, and and um, I just want to listen to it again instead of continuing to do this review. Actually, <laughs> that, that, that's how good this song is. You know, sometimes when we, when we review songs on our show. I get the um, compulsion to p- put something on and I'm, I'm, I just feel like putting this on right now to, to hear the mastery, really, the mastery of composition and, and production even on this song. I, I love it. Just one, one yeah. last thing. What scares me, what scares me about this this song and this album is that this is my third favorite song, probably actually no, fourth favorite song on the album and I'm completely smitten by the song. So <laughs> yeah. That scares me when I think of it that way because on any other album, this would be my favorite track on the album. So what you're saying is how incredibly how incredibly incredible this album is. <laughs> uh, well, getting there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So with that, we go into track number five. We're getting into the the halfway point of this record, uh, LPCD, whatever you're listening on, listening on tape cassette, possibly. Then it's side two. Then. Flak files for the um, <laughs> Y generation. 
Okay, so yeah, that's right. Side two. That, that's actually a good point, player. Anastasia closes side one, which is which is also says something. It you really know? it is a closer. Yeah, it is a closer, and after that closer, we you know start up with a bang again. It's track number five, Pick it entitled <laughs> "Dance On." Dance on and does oh, it yeah. ever. Captain, start us off oh, with this one. Okay. For someone, I guess I'm known for not really listening to lyrics. Listen to this lyric. A bass guitar in spider webs longing for the funk. That is one of the best things he's ever written. <laughs> I just love that line. Every time I Get hear it. Get off me, punk. You ain't sexy. It's so good. <laughs> Every and, time and, I hear it. Yeah, and that lyric, I don't get, to Jam. I don't know. What is he talking about? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's so good. But this song, is is it a song or is it just an excuse for a huge drum solo? I don't know. Either way, I don't care. It's cool anyway. It's not a drum solo, is it? Uh, you could it's say that. It's a drum feature. It's drum a drum feature. It's, it's a drum song. But who, who's singing that, that vocal line about the nuclear ban? It could be Bonnie B. Oh, it's 111 to 116. Nuclear band never stays in tune. And it's just screaming. Or it's Levi, that must be. It's Levi Caesar Jr. impersonating Bonnie <laughs> B, maybe. Uh, it's got to be Bonnie. But that nuclear band, that vocal line, 111 to 116, it's just amazing. It sounds so good. I always uh, thought she was saying, and every band never stayed in tune. That's what I was Yeah, I never knew what that line was until I just read the lyrics like a few days ago. And it's like, nuclear band never stays in tune. Which I, I never knew before. Which is which is actually quite a good lyric. Mm. But to me, this song is uh, it's similar to the controversy album in regard to the lyrics. He's talking about breeding production and jacks who vandalize. And it's a uh, most of his career, he sort of stayed away from you know issues and politics and stuff. But this song, he's back, just like some of the stuff on controversy. And then you've got the, the acapella ending, which is very similar to Party Up off Dirty Mind. This song is a real throwback to eight years earlier for me. And I, I like that. it. You get that? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, any other time in his career has he talked about breeding production and, and jacks, except on the Controversy album. And that's all I've got to say. Bass, guitar and spiderwebs longing for the funk. There you go. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Play up. What are your thoughts on uh, Dance On, the track? Yeah, further to Captain's point, I think Dance On for me is similar thematically to the song 1999 in a sense because he seems to be talking about dancing on in the face of adversity. You know, some of the things he talks about in the verses is quite bleak and he delivers those lines in monotone. But in the chorus, his answer seems to be Dance On and his vocal delivery opens up and becomes a lot brighter. Musically, it's a busy song. It's a very busy song. There's heaps going on, lots of things happening, sound effects, the whole nine. But it's not a total mess, at least not for me. I think the craziness of the music matches the craziness within the song. The drum pattern, which I think is Sheila E, is almost like a solo all the way through instead of a steady, consistent beat. The bass line is fast and crazy, sounds like a machine gun. It's a perfect match for the song. The organ in the chorus is nice. It helps brighten up the song. I really like it, merely for its quirkiness and uniqueness in the Prince Canon. It's a pretty cool song. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think it is a, it is a pretty cool song. To me, dance song sounds like we talk about the different styles of funk and the different forms of funk. And in my opinion, this is like 
relentless funk. And it's because of the drum pattern and, and the, um, to Captain's point, that I guess the long drum feature, the long drum solo, I guess. But it's got a great use of space, an in- incredible use of space. One thing that I always think of when I think of this track is that cool laugh scream in the laugh slash scream in the middle of the song um, that I tried to imitate earlier to um, <laughs> to absolutely no effect. But the playful nature of the song is is nice to listen to, but it also sounds really inspired, and I think he sounds that way. Whoever mentioned controversy, I think yeah. both Captain and Player mentioned controversy and or 1999. I agree with you guys. This this harkens back to that sort of spirit and it's great to listen to. It's a great headphone song. It's just percolating, bobulating throughout. And um, the only other thing I'll say is that it, I often think of this as a kaleidoscope of ideas in the form of sound. And this isn't the only song that, that I feel that way about, but... It's a great example of that, like a kaleidoscope of sound. And it calls to mind some of the electronic elements of Kraftwerk, Jean-Michel Gere and Tangerine Dream and other 80s percussive type, electronic percussive type bands and artists. Because it is such a percussive jam, but it uses electro or electronic elements. You know, the bass sounds like a machine gun. Um, you've got the start-stop patterns of the drums and then... In, in in between that, you've got that distinct vocal style from Prince, the really emotional voice from Bonnie B, and a cool groove. The the, the part that where well, I think Levi says, "Get off me, punk! You ain't sexy." I, I I don't actually understand that line. If anyone wants to hit me to that, I'd appreciate it. But I, I, I think like- it's just um, I think what he's talking about is like you know all the young brothers are going off to war when there's a bass guitar line there and it's like you know the guy shoots him after he says that's what it sounds like you know get off me punk you ain't sexy and then he shoots him and it's like ow uh, okay. you should be picking up that bass guitar and playing some funk <laughs> <laughs> all right all right I'll take that's that how I hear it, so. I'll take that I like the spoken word bit it reminds me again parts of the controversy album you know and dancing on while missiles fly yeah player I totally get that 1999 reference apocalyptic in, in the lyrics yeah, yeah. Yeah, Apocalyptic funk. That's what this song is. I'll just leave it on my final thought, which is Dance On, to me, is a representation and prediction of Beck's career in the 90s. The artist Beck. Beck Uh, Hansen, of course, is who I'm talking about. When I think to his first album, his uh, his first um, major label release, and Odelay, and in particular Midnight Vultures, the influence that this song and this sort of music, um, this sort of Prince music had on Beck is undoubted, in my opinion. Is that the one that had sex laws on it? Yes. Oh, <laughs> what I a like great album too. I like Nicotine and gravy and peaches and cream, I think, all sorts of stuff. It's a crazy album. And it's got basically an homage to Prince at the end with Deborah, which for anyone who has not heard Deborah, either the studio or um, live version, do yourself a favor and check that out. Just YouTube it right now. Beck, Deborah, and make sure you're sitting down while you're listening to that song because it's <laughs> it's got some funny some funny bits, some funny lyrics. But this is not a Beck Hansen review. This is a Prince review. Dance on is funky. Toe Jam. I pretty much agree with everything you guys have said. It's uh, it's basically a drum feature, and what I like about it is that it it could have been a complete mess because the drums are so all over the place, like doing this sort of improvised fills the whole way through. But what I like about it is that Prince has kept a rock in it, and that's the sort of this like the bass line we're saying sounds like machine guns, but it's nice and simple. It's just two or three notes, digga 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 changes note, you know, and then he's got those big five chord, four chord, dun 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 dun, you know, almost 
sounds like Batman or something with that bit. So that that sort of keeps it all under control, if you know what I mean. So that's good. The bass guitar is cool in that Spider's Web bit. I love the bass playing there. Um, I love the lyric about the television sky because this is the era when probably for the first time ever where like, you know, wars where it could actually be watched live on TV. Like today, that's kind of, you know, when a major war happens, that's just expected that it's live on TV. But, you know, back in the late 80s, this was when the first time this sort of thing would have been happening. I think that television sky uh, is a really good, interesting lyric about that. I like the lyric about Eminem killers playing Mickey Mouse games. I don't know what an Eminem killer is, but it sounds like a cool lyric. I like the way at the end when he starts singing, and I think Push It Up, tried to do the song Push It Up, tried to do a similar thing, but not as good as Dance On. He starts singing Dance On, and then it gets higher. Dance On, Dance and then Dance On. It gets higher and higher and higher, and Push It Up does a similar kind of thing, um, but that's a cool bit. I like the little joke silence fills, you know, because all the time, where I presume it's Sheila playing the drums. She's doing these crazy fills. And then there's once or twice in the song where there's just silence and you're waiting for the fill and, yeah. and then the song just keeps going. I like that. And yeah. you can always, at one of them, you actually hear someone breathing, kind of like yeah. just having a rest while they're doing yeah. the fill. A nice little joke, in-joke in the song. And I, I, I love those parts because it's such a great use of space again, isn't it? You, yeah. It's just typical Prince. Yeah, and I just like the way the song is nice and short and snappy. Uh, it summarizes the album in so many ways. It's so full. There's so much going on. It's got all the elements you want. It's cartoonish to the max, like Alphabet Street. I love it. It's great. And it's a great little segue between two big tracks, Anastasia and the next one. So there we go. When he says, Detroit, what's happening? I'm, you know, I don't know, but something must have been going down in Detroit in 1988. I don't know. Does anyone know? Who knows? I think it I must don't. have been something worth Must have been something saying. political. That would be my guess, yeah. I always just thought it was a, a shout-out for the sake of a shout-out. Yeah, I, I took it as that as well. Really? You know, the, he did nah, the Mojo interview the year before so. or something. And, but he says, Detroit, what's, what's happening? And he's talking about, that's when he's talking about all that bad stuff. So I reckon something was happening in Detroit. I think it just sounds like what's You know, up. there might have been a huge what's murder spree like, over up? a few months or something. I don't know. Americans, tell us. Go to Facebook. Tell us what happened. Mm. Anyway. I think you're reading something too deep in there, man. No, there, there, there was something. There was some, something happened. Got to be. The one other thing I want to say is um, this is the second song in a row that is kind of the vocal is kind of like this monotone, depressed vocal yeah. with all this crazy stuff going over the top of it. Yeah. And there's one more song coming up like that. So that's another kind of theme of the album as well. So uh, Just quickly on the Detroit, I had our um, intern researcher do a very quick bit of research for us. Supposedly, um, particularly in the 80s, um, the city of Detroit was was quite a... Um, not, not the safest place to be, I guess. Yeah, yeah, quite a violent place. It, it, it had had a history, but in, in the 80s, and specifically I think in 86 and 87, they had more homicides in the year than than ever before. So, you know, m- maybe maybe that's got something to do with it. And and, and yeah. supposedly there was a there was a famous um, phrase that that the that the mayor used around that time, um, and other politicians as well. That there is a war in Detroit, and um, it had to do with gang violence and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I thought it'd be something like that. Yeah, and, and in addition to that, I was, was right. A huge murder spree. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, well, I, not only that, but according to a study published in the University of Chicago in 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 1988, the suburbs of Detroit were the most segregated suburbs in the United States. Oh. So there, there's a little bit of um, bit of a hint or a clue as to what was happening around the time. So that's what was happening in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he asked a question. We answered it. <laughs> And, uh, we're a few years too late, but that's okay. There was no time limit specified. And so with that, we go into the tr- title track, which is, of course, Love Sexy. This feeling so good and never- 
No one will ever know exactly what it means unless you listen to the lyrics because there's a clue in there. Let's start this review off with um, Mr. Player. Oh, man. Here's a tip. Wake up in the morning to this song and you feel like you can rule the world. It's just an amazing song, this song. It captures the emotion perfectly with those bright major synth chords. It's a bit reminiscent of 1999. The beat is awesome. It's nice and heavy. The Fairlight sampler is all over this track. His vocal register is really deep in the verses. The lyrics are uplifting, positive, emotive. I mean, you can really feel his emotion in the song, and I think he conveys that really well. I like towards the end where he makes love with only words, and it starts off with, I'm assuming it's Cat, and her voice gets pitch shifted all over the place, and about three quarters of the way through, Prince's voice cuts into it, so it starts with her voice, and then it ends with his voice. It's quite a cool effect. Major, major love for this song. Wish you would bring it back to the live setting. Oh, and one other thing. Um, is this the only time a title track isn't the first song on the album? It's kind of weird that the title track is like three quarters of the way into the album. I can't think of another album where he's done that or where it happens like that. Purple Rain, Diamonds and Pearls? That's that's closing. It's either opening track oh, okay, or closing okay. track, but it's oh. this is like three quarters of the way through. So, hmm. But anyway, I, I really like this song. I can't get enough of it. And it really annoyed me that this CD was like one track because if I was in the mood for this particular song, you have to search all the way through just to get to Yeah, but anyway, it's a very good song. Awesome, awesome. Toe Jam. I totally agree with Player what you said right at the beginning when this song makes you feel like uh, you can take on the world. It's such a positive song and you cannot listen to this song and not finish with just this massive smile on your face. It's just so playful, so cartoonish, so funny, so uplifting, so everything. This, along with Alphabet Street and Glam Slam, is up there as my favourite song of all time. It's unbelievable. It is very reminiscent of 1999, the, the song with those synths and even the kind of the way the vocal is done, he has his verse and then there's the riff that follows it. Oh, sorry, he does like one line, then the riff follows it, the synth riff. Then he does another line, then the synth riff follows it. So that's kind of similar to 1999 as well. Wow, where to begin? Uh, so this, you've got some cool lyrics, uh, writing his name upon his thigh, which he did in the Love Sexy Tour. He had that big prince down his side. Race cars burning rubber down his pants. That's a hilarious lyrics. Hilarious <laughs> lyric. And I love when you hear that straight after he says that, you hear... In both the left and right speakers, you hear them go, Neow, like they're doing like a car sound. Yeah. It's just, it's just hilarious, that stuff. Um, you got horns all the way through it, doing these big swells that just come straight through. Verse two, you've got these R's, R's and U's that join along, so it's sort of building as well. 147, uh, the song kind of takes a different direction where he goes, all life becomes easier. And as he hits easier, the horns just, dun, just hit this high note. It's so, it's just so playful, that stuff. From 147 to 2 minutes, it's just all this crazy stuff going on uh, while he's singing his lines about butterflies. Cool arrangement stuff going on there. 227. It's not until 227 in the song that you actually hear the word love sexy, which is the title of the song, the title of the album, which is kind of interesting. 236 to about 3 minutes. You just hear Prince doing this crazy laughter in the background. It's as if he's gone insane. And just sort of in the background, he's just laughing, just going crazy. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, (laughs) You don't often hear that, do you? It's just, it's just funny. Two minutes 30. It's like he is the Joker in that moment for me. That, 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 when I hear that, I'm like, man, he should have done the Joker. Two minutes 30. That horn line. Dun, dun, That's such a killer. Ah, yeah. It's killer horn line. Killer. Unbelievable. Uh, and then, not even that, you get that horn, the horn solo. 
Hook after hook after hook after hook is just smacking me in the face, smacking my frown into a smile. Love it. 314, you get this big, rain is wet, sugar is sweet. You know, he's he's onto it now. Uh, hand claps, clapping along, cool stuff. Then you get that instrumental bit at 3 minutes 30, which is cool as well. At 3.55, you get that Fairlight sampler of the bizarre, you know, the bizarre sound, which, as I think we've talked about in other albums, yeah. is uh, from a Frank Fairlight. Zappa album. Exactly, yeah. that's yeah. right. Which <laughs> apparently was a stock sound. Yeah, the sound of Fairlight. Fairlight. Yeah, that's but right. It's actually from a Frank Zappa album. I think it might be um, The Drowning Witch one. Valley Girl, I think that's the song that it's from. Uh, anyway. no, I think it, I think it was late, something from the late sixties, early seventies, but it could be okay. Wrong. That's I love are. Valley Girl. I've got to say, I love Valley Girl. It's the best song. Muffin Man is the best song. Oh, anyway, Muffin so. Man's up there, but Valley Girl <laughs> is just classic. <laughs> we gotta we gotta do a Frank Zappa review one. We'll get one to day. it. All right. Cheap thrills. Okay, as as um, player was saying, four twenty five. You get the love with only words bit. Girls first, and of course, so the girl starts talking, and it's just this like you're in the ocean, you know the. The speed's going up and down and up and down, and it just sort of winds its way up. And then once you've heard it a few times, you can actually hear where the split happens. But I remember the yeah. first few times I heard it, I couldn't hear where it happened. And it's just like, what the hell? It's just, it's turned into Prince all of a sudden. You know, and just when it goes really deep and he's talking about swimming in your love seat or something. I don't know what he's Swimble, doing. Yeah, swimming in the love uh, seat. But yeah. that's, that's cool stuff. I don't know. This song is just amazing on so many different levels. Yeah. One of my favorite songs in all, of all time. It's so positive, it's so uplifting. It's so funny. I, I've said all this already, but it's just this is this is like a Warner Brothers cartoon mixed with like classical music, mixed with the best of funk, the best of everything. It's just this is the sugar. This song right here. I'll say yeah. that. There we go. Yeah. Before we go to Captain, you're right. This is ridiculous in the best possible sense on all levels, on all accounts. What a title track, Captain. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm scared to say what I think about this song now. <laughs> Uh oh! Here it comes. I knew this, the day would come. It's the this, if I was your girlfriend moment. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to us. Brace this yourself, song, everyone. This song, out of all the songs on this album, this is my favourite song on the album. <laughs> you <laughs> almost had us saved. And, you almost had us. And it's in my top ten Prince songs of all time. Wow! <laughs> it is absolutely up there. I just I was love it. My breath for a second. <laughs> Captain finally gets on the boat. Yeah. Favorite track on the album, one of his best Prince songs ever. How do you not feel happy after listening to this song? There must be something wrong with you. It's just excellence. Give give the man a, an, a, an award for recording excellence. This song is just unbelievable. I love the intro, the guitar, his vocal is just great. Uh, it's a very similar bass line to I Know. And I Know and this song are similar in a few ways, but the bass line is probably why... I Know and Love Sexy are my two favourite songs on this album. Does anyone here have Tony LeMann's one and only album? No, I don't. No. Is that a rhetorical question? or Anyone who has Tony LeMann's debut album will instantly recognise the main riff, which is exactly the same as Love Sexy, and it's used on the first track of that album, which I'll play right now. Oh. You're right. That sounds exactly oh. like it. It is. It's. It's. I think it's a different key, but it's exactly the same. That's uncanny. So mm. there you go. And that was a Paisley Park record. So obviously he was allowed to 
borrow that. But anyway, and so- Captain, you forgot to mention that by by playing that snippet of that song of Tony Lamant's album is the second official time that Tony Lamant's album has ever been played, either on the internet or on <laughs> any radio podcast any- station. Oh, that's a bit. That's a bit sad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. There's a cool little bit at one nineteen at the end of the line where he sings uh, morning, noon, night, and every day. There's just this little guitar slide which just sort of fades in and out, and it just it just slips in there and it's gone again. Listen to that. That's a cool little thing. One nineteen. This song. It's a great chorus, great lyrics, great backing vocals. And uh, here, here's some backing vocals for you. Listen to the one thirty one to one thirty six. Listen to those backing vocals, which are extremely similar to a line in Crystal Ball. Go and get your Crystal Ball disc out. Listen to track one. Listen to the backing vocals at nine thirty to 10.18 and tell me they're not the same thing. <laughs> now, that's that's another one of those little things that's very interesting. And considering the first track on this album and its history coming from the ball, which was on Crystal Ball, it's all linked together. It's all it's all there. These parallels that you're making, Captain, is almost like comparing like Parade to Lotus Flower, man. Like... <laughs> Who would do that? Who comes up with this stuff? <laughs> no Who listens to this stuff? <laughs> no one except Toe Jam would do that. <laughs> Oh, there's so many things on this song. I've got, I've still got loads more to say. I have to say, guys, we do get better with time, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> You're a dreamer. <laughs> Again, you just keep finding these little things which link everything together, and that's a big reason why I'm still interested in, you know, in listening to this stuff today. Even when, you know, you could say the creative quality of the most recent studio stuff is not, you know, might not stand up to the olden days, his musical peaks, creative peaks. But no, you can always go back and listen to that old stuff if you want to do that. And you, you can still find new little things in the old stuff as well, like I did. Mm. Uh, at 147, I think Toe Jam said, that's when there's another, there's another weird little interlude, just like in I Know. And it's in pretty much the same spot in the song as well. And it's another similarity between this and I Know. There's a section in this song. Remember when I said in We Gets Up, there was like about 12 seconds of like just absolute perfection. It's never going to be beaten. It's it's in this song. He did it in this song, which might not be hard. You might wait, say. wait. I mean, this is a big moment on the show, Captain. You're saying there are 12 <laughs> seconds of absolute perfection. Can you can you give us the um? Oh, it's more. No, there's 12 seconds of We Gets Up, which is just absolutely perfect, regardless of the, the song. The 12 seconds of of perfection in uh, We Gets Up is the 12 seconds it takes for you to reach to the skip button. <laughs> No, no, no. Here we go. This is in this song. Give us the timings. It is. It's absolute musical, vocal, arranging perfection. I'm going to write this down. And it is is 147 to 314, which is long. That's a good minute and a half of musical perfection. Mm. I could have stretched it even longer to include the whole rest of the song, but I had to have a cut off somewhere. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 147 to 314, it is just unbelievable. It's one of the best things he's ever done. Could not be beaten, ever. Wow. I absolutely love the bass line, 219 to 231. It just comes out of nowhere. The bass just comes up louder than everything else and does this line, and it just it blows me away every single time. There's vocal, the vocal percussion stuff that he does, 250 to 304. That's just amazing. There's great horns everywhere, all over this track. One of my favorite bits in this song is uh, you can hear it at about 15 seconds in, again at 111 and 130, but the best one of all is at 314. And the only thing I can think to describe what that sound is, it's like a, a quick launch of a roller coaster, if anyone knows that sound. 
it just right. throws you into you know the next section of the song. The best one is like that 314, right? Just before it goes into Rainy's Wet, that the first time he says that. It's just this excellent sound. That's in the best part of the song there. It's just great. I heard okay. that this song was um, like in a different configuration before this one, and it was totally different. Yes, I think it was in some documentary that this was totally recorded, totally different songs. It was like a, it was like a hard rock, yeah, right. and then he just scrapped it and totally started again. Hard rock, you re- so you I, reckon? I can't mm, remember the reason maybe, why. Maybe something for Third Eye Girl to um to work on to bring back hey. a hard, the original version of Love Sexy by Third Eye Girl. It might have wow. even been brought that, to you um, by the Peach and Black podcast. It might have even been in that omnibus documentary mm. that they talk about it. The mystery like, thickens. There was a totally different version recorded, and then he just scrapped it, and then totally started over. Okay, but here's another cool thing in this song. I'm still going. Toe Jam mentioned the hand claps in this song, but you didn't mention they're exactly the same as the hand claps in Alphabet Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. That. Yeah, they're like the patterns exactly the same. So that's another cool little thing. Now, this is one another favorite part of my song. This song is. I never figured it out until like a week ago. It's at 3.30 where the music all goes a bit scary and they all scream. Mm. You know that bit? Yep. And it's like some big monster just turned up with his own theme song. Everyone screams and runs away, but Prince stays and blows him away with a killer guitar solo. That's what happens. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 3.50 to 4.22, that guitar solo. But I just love it. The music gets all scary. Here comes a big monster with his theme song. Everyone screams and runs away, but Prince stays, pulls out his guitar, and just blows his head off. His guitar playing is filthy <laughs> cute on this song. It's unbelievable. It? It's, I never it's really realized what was happening until a few days ago, and I'm like, that's what's happening. And like Tojam keeps saying, it's cartoonish. That's exactly what it is. Like Imagine the cartoon for this it's, video. It's Prince on the Axe versus Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. They're both purple. <laughs> And wearing nothing but a flower. <laughs> yeah, wearing just a paisley headband. Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> moving on. There's another interesting bit. It's at 4.33. There's this tinkly little synth sound. And then from 4.41, that synth sound drops out. But just the harmonics keep going, which is really cool. Go and listen to that. That's a really cool little thing. Uh, there's a bit of a vocal interlude, and then I love how it all kicks back in at 5.01, and the best song on the album, one of his best songs of all time, The End. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. I don't know how I'm going to follow up on that, guys. Um... Let's just all go home. Let's go and listen to Love Let's, Sexy, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I wouldn't mind doing that, actually. Okay, so here's what I got. New power, new power, give it to me. It needs some bottom in here. Lay it on me. I love that. What a great intro. What a great start to this song. I almost wish, to Player's point about, you know, this is this song is track six on the album. I almost wish it was the opening track. It would just blow everything else to smithereens, wouldn't it? I mean, I know. But that's the thing. You you can't put a song like this first. Yeah, possibly. Because I mean, what, anything that comes after it, you're going to be like, well, that's not as good. You're right. And everything leads up to this in a way. Yeah, um, I kind of like the fact that mm. this, you know, given that it's, you know, one track album on the CD, I kind of like the fact that, you know, possibly his best song ever. It's well, buried. Up there anyway. It's buried in like three quarters of the way through the album. Mm. I kind of like that. Yeah, that is really cool. And, you know, it wasn't a single. It wasn't a B-side. It wasn't anything, really. From, from a release standpoint, you're right. It's just an album track, uh, which is incredible when you, when you think about all the great Did things you guys said. Did you just say it's just an album track? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I wouldn't dare. This is him rejoicing. It is powerfully positive, ecstatic. This song needs a symphony behind it. I'm saying it right now. It really does. Uh, this is an epic work, a masterwork, a masterstroke. Was this on the Opera House set list? You know what? It might I not don't, have been, but it should I, have been. I don't think it was, but it should have been. We've got to we've got to re-record that whole show now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to add this in, love sexy with symphonic strings. <laughs> with yeah. sixty-four piece orchestra, or whatever it is. Actually, that would be too big. So many, there's so many intertwined elements in this song that it's almost beyond beyond description, really. I just don't know where to start. The density, it's very dense. It's heavily arranged, incredibly heavy arranged, possibly the most arranged and in a way disarranged song that he has ever put together. One of the greatest title tracks, if not the greatest, one of the greatest songs he's ever put together, if not the greatest. The last minute is pretty funny as well, and I'll get to that in a second. But between the horns, the keys, the arrangements of all of those, the sound effects, the voices, the country twang guitar, and all the stuff that he's saying about just about everything creates a whole new world for me, you know? The bass thumping, the spiritual elements. It's a spiritual song describing the feeling of euphoria, whether it you get it through God or through some other experience. It's amazingly uplifting, amazingly uh, affecting to listen to. And the composition is masterful. I mean, this guy's this guy's a genius composer without a doubt. You know, we we mentioned um, the reference to a, a Frank Zappa, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A Frank Zappa sample in the song Love Sexy. And, you know, it's a good link connecting Zappa in some way to this song because in a way I feel like Love Sexy is probably as close as Prince has been able to to get to that freeform element of Frank Zappa's composing. The song is popping at the seams. I mean, it is bursting at the seams. It's about to burst open. The horns are absolutely nuts. Yeah. You know, some Prince songs have really great jazzy arrangements, swinging arrangements. He, he, he uses them to great effect on R&B ballads, on, soul, on quiet silence, you know, quiet storm ballads. Here, they are all over the, the place. I can't, I can't possibly describe what the, songs are, what the horns are doing in this song or how good they are. I just know they're incredibly funky and almost it's a surreal experience listening to some of the stuff that goes on here. The last minute is simply ridiculous. That mental guitar wobbling that Captain was referring to is pure ear candy. Probably the most, the purest example of ear candy and guitar candy that you could listen to in, in Prince's music. And now onto the lyrics. Where, where do you start? I mean... He's describing a feeling, an emotion, a spirituality, a everything. He's describing he's describing life, you know. There's that there's that great line, all in life becomes easier. No question is unresolved. I love that. Incredibly powerful stuff. I'm not afraid now. Come and touch it. I know you will love it. With it, I know heaven's a butterfly kiss away. It's almost psychedelic in its delivery. The feeling's so good in every single way. Love sexy. And I for one see this as potentially, as I've said, without repeating myself too much, as one of Prince's greatest songs, but also at potentially his greatest meshing together of the spirituality uh, within his personality and, and the sexuality or sensuality within his personality and within oh, his I brain. Gonna, I thought you were going to say the funk. Well, and then he, well, the, the incredible part about it is he does those two, he puts those two elements together, the sensuality and the spirituality, and then he puts a whole lot of funk on the top of it, you know? Yeah. He, he does bring that bottom in there. He brings that wobbly wah-wah guitar. Prince throws 
everything, including the kitchen sink at this song, and possibly creates the greatest funk track of all time. I mean, the greatest funk slash gospel slash pop slash Zappa-esque psychedelic discombobulating piece of music you'll ever hear in this or any other lifetime. I mean, it is that good. It is that incredible. And just that last minute, again, I I have to quote some of this stuff. How smart and intelligent a curve your behind has. Hilarious. You know, race cars burn rubber in my pants. That's hilarious. I would rip out my hair for you for just something, something, something with your face. I don't want to make love to you. I just want to look at you. I want to listen to you. And when he when he sings those lines, I love the pitch bend that he does on that. And he almost goes into that Camille-esque vocal. Yeah. It, it, it's pure that's, comedy. That's, that, that's the point where the, oh, the um, it changes yeah, so, between Cat and Prince. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, oh, pretty little whip, you got me dripping. Dr- and he repeats that. <laughs> <laughs> and when he says dripping all over the floor, he has to repeat it. The floor. <laughs> Little things like that. But, you know, if I come back as a woman, I want a body like yours. Mm, I'm great. so playful, so creative. <laughs> I'm just laughing reading some of this stuff. But- hang on, hang on a second. You know, in that bit, remember in My Name is Prince, you've got that chicka yeah uh sample. Mm. I'm pretty sure the uh comes from this. Okay. You reckon? That's possible. Yes. Uh. The uh, I'm not the sure. uh, but the uh. No, the, the, the girly. <laughs> uh, yeah. That one. <laughs> you guys okay, are a riot. That's got to be it. We're critiquing moan samples now. <laughs> <laughs> we go deeper than I, than I thought we ever would. But, that, but the last thing I'll Heard say... Prince, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> the last thing I'll say is possibly my favorite part of this song is the one where he starts talking about what... Yeah, he's talking from the point of view of... You know, he, what she wants him to do, whoever she mm. is. Mm. And when he starts talking about, you know, you want me to sit around your living room. Yeah, you, <laughs> you want me to walk, walk right down your halls. You want me to swivel in your love seat. Don't, Don't you, baby. You, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so funny. I've got to say, that whole section. I fall off my seat listening to that. And then the, there's that one bit where he's singing, 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 and he's about to say something, but he beeps it out with a, it uh, sounds like yeah. a, a computer oh, keystroke. That whole section which starts off with OK Sunny, I could end the song there. That whole <laughs> bit doesn't do anything for me. Oh, I think is. the song's been so good up until then. And then You're as kidding. soon as it gets to there, I'm just like, eh, I, I can just skip it from there. No, no, or, or I love it. go back to the start. I love it. It no. goes into overdrive, you know. It goes into the. It goes from the automatic gearbox to the triptonic and, and it just... It, it does. Yeah. It burns into rubber. Into the stratosphere. Yeah. Exactly. It burns rubber in your ears, you know. it It's crazy. It's crazy. It burns the it yeah. burns, <laughs> burns the skin off of your earlobes. I don't get it. I don't get what it's got to do with the song. It's incredible. The song's yeah, it's about love sexy. It's a yeah, religious thing. It sort of goes thing. off on a tangent. And then it goes good. off onto this sex talk. Well, I don't well, see why well, you tacked that no, no, on no, no, the no. end. And, and, and you know what? This is exactly, it goes back to, and this is how, how I'll finish up my review and why I think it's even more brilliant than the way I've described it is because of that, because of what you just said. It is love sexy. The love is the God part, the sexy is the sensual, and there's no other way to put it, the sex element of his music, of his life, of his philosophy. He's bringing those together. This song sums up everything about Prince in one single album track. Everything. Everything you need to know is in this song in one way or another. The musical elements, the composition, the arrangement, the use of space, his vocal abilities, the background uh, vocal abilities, the bells and whistles all throughout, his guitar playing, the bass playing his drum patterns the playing of 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 the band is is not non-existent but i think it's pretty much a one-man band 
jam. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> uh, experiment by Prince because he re-recorded the song. This, this is incredible. This is so something. the only question is when a third eye girl going to play it? Well, that's pre- you're right. That's pretty much the only question left to answer. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. this. the lyrics of Love Sexy say, no question is unresolved. Well, Prince and Third Eye Girl, we're waiting you to answer this one. Will you play Love Sexy live in concert in 2013? It's up to you. Okay, okay. So, with that, we, with that, we go into something um, pretty sexy, pretty sassy, and plenty of balladry coming up in this next track, which is, of course, When Two Are In Love. Let's hand it over to a player to start this off. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a strange one because it seems out of place on the Black Album. It's more suited to the Love Sexy concept, but at the same time, it seems like it's tacked onto this project. So although the segue between Love Sexy and this is seamless, he did a really good job with that. I just, yeah, it just doesn't settle right. I don't know. There's something about it. But the song itself is awesome. Like, it's very sensual, erotic. The beat is hypnotic and sexy. His vocal is very sweet. And in some places, they're almost, um, you know, whispered sounds or he whispers the lyrics, you know. Um, There seems to be a fair bit of instrumentation, but he manages to make it sound very simple and minimalist. This is one of my favorites, not the big elite ballads, but it's equally notable of his slow seduction songs. It's really, really nice song. I like it. But it just, I don't know, it doesn't fit Black Album, and on here it just seems like it's tacked on. And when I think of it, I think it's... I was just going to say, for people that haven't heard heard the Black Album, Mm. either ever or certainly at the time that they heard this... You know, it's it's hard to say how, how people react, isn't it? It is, yeah. But yeah, that's it from me. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just quickly chime in. I, I think this is a typical Lynn drum ballad in a way. I say in a way because somehow I don't... I never add this to Scandalous and to Adore and Insatiable. I never talk about it in the same breath until I put it into the context of this album. And then I realize that really... It's the only ballad on this album. And within the context of this album, I think it fits. I think it suits the album incredibly well. I think the sounds that you hear are really in line with everything else that you've heard. And it's a good opportunity f- for him to bring in that, you know, the, the relation, the, the love element, the relationship element between two people, especially after a song like Love Sexy. It's almost like this song has been placed on the album to expand on the on the theme of the, you know on the love theme in one way or another but look it's so sugar, sugary that it won't rot your teeth or anything like that but it is it's you know candy on a stick pretty much i love the video for this i would i would argue this is one of his no and i'm being i'm actually being serious i hear i think it was player <laughs> the video yeah for this yeah I, I Do you mean it, the Warner Brothers one where it's a black screen with the incorrect lyrics? Yeah, and I don't care who put that together, but I love it. I, I love the concept of that. I love the concept of a black screen with lyrics underneath and music in the background. It's a pretty gutsy thing to do, whoever did it. It'd be better if they got the lyrics right. Well, yeah, you, you, you are right about that. But, you know, it, there's something about it. There's something about that concept that I, that I enjoy. It always sticks in my mind when the song comes on. But look, the vocal layer, layering is exquisite, as is to be expected. Prince doesn't get nearly enough exposure and doesn't get nearly enough praise for his work as a as far as laying down vocals, laying down harmonies using just his voice. I mean, he covers 
the majority of the range of both a female and vocal voice. This is one guy not only coming up with the vocal parts for these sorts of songs, but arranging them, mixing them, and making them sound seamless. I actually think it's unparalleled in, in pop music. So, you know, and again, it's such a smooth delivery and it just sounds like a dream. To me, this is one of Toe Jam's dream songs. I hope I'm not stealing Toe Jam's review here. But it's, this is a dream, but it's a long, wet dream. And, <laughs> and the, the, bass, the bass pads are, work surprisingly well in imitating a real stand-up bass. To me, yeah. I don't think this loses anything, you know, but by using the, the synthetic bass element as opposed to the real one. And, and the lyrics are, <laughs> the lyrics are, again, talking about how, how sweet and sugary this song is. There's no two ways about it, you know. That's all I'll say about these lyrics. Uh, and with that, we go to uh, Toe Jam. This is a, a beautiful song. I, I, I kind of agree. I, it's not quite in the same league as Insatiable or Scandalous. But it's it's pretty damn close. Lindrum's really tight. I, I do agree. I like the synth acoustic bass. Uh, very simple chords. It's basically just you know one major, four major, then with like a d- diminished chord with the kind of descending arpeggio. Da, 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 da. So pretty simple stuff. And again, it, it's all about the arrangement. It's all about the interplay that's going on. All about the the background stuff. That's what makes the song. Vocals are on point. It's almost like it doesn't have a proper home because it was on the Black Album. Yeah. It's on Love Sexy. It was also on the Scandalous Sex Suite as well. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I know that. But every time I hear this song, it does fit on the album. If someone said, okay, all of these songs were recorded in a week except one song, which song would you guess? I think you would guess this one because there's some... I don't, can't quite put my finger on it, but it just... It doesn't quite sound... doesn't have the same kind of sound as the other songs on the album. I don't... I can't quite put my finger on it. So, in that sense, it's always sort of has... It's kind of like a little song on its own that never really found its true home, I think. I like the... During what you... I guess you'd call it the pre-chorus. Uh, you get these three notes. And so, you know, it's three notes, but it's in 4-4, four, four, essentially. So, it's kind of like this rolling three-note thing that goes along. That's kind of interesting. I like the horns. These sort of like little horn stabs are kind of interesting. And every now and then there's a, a really low barry sax. I don't know if it's a real barry sax or a keyboard barry sax, but just every now and then you get this bird up in the background. Listen out for that. It's a nice little background thing to listen out for. I love the background vocals, the drip, drop, drip, drop, water, water. That bit's cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, really playing right on the tune of the harmonics there. Really cool stuff. And I think the whole song is summarized by the lyric, the contemplation of penetration. That's what it's all about. It's all about the sort of, you know, they're in love, they're, they're at work, but they're in, the, you know, in their heads, they're thinking about what they're going to be doing later on that night. So a great song, worthy of being on this album. One of his better ballads, if it's not, even if it's not in that top league. Uh, and it's a great, yeah, overall great song. All right. And with that, that just leaves one person to review this track. His name's Captain. Ooh, Okay. This is pretty much, you already said it, it's the only real ballad on this album, and it's from the Black Album anyway. But we'll review it here, because this is where it first appeared officially. Black Album didn't come out till 94 officially, so let's talk about this song. Toe Jam sort of hinted on it just there, how this song never really found a home, because it came from a few different places. It was released in a, like, three different times. And Prince has said, and other musicians have said, you know, songs are like children. This is like the kid he adopted from like some broken home, which was the Black Album. He adopted it and he, and he put it in this home, so that's fine. But I'm sort of on the fence about this one. It's, I think it's a good song, but I just don't really like it that much. Toe Jam was talking about those three notes in the chorus. That is the most annoying thing on this album for me. 
Like I was reading just a few days ago about certain things in songs which just totally ruin a song for people. This is one of those. That music during the chorus, those three or four notes, it just sounds so weird. Like, listen to 120 to 150. It sounds like some sort of weird music box that just got stuck and it just keeps skipping. And the same mm. notes just go over and over. The verses are okay. There's some great lyrics. But that chorus, it just it kills me. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's just so distracting. Every time it comes on, it's going and going. It sounds awful to me. But, uh, I mean, it's an otherwise okay ballad, but just that it's sort of a metallic, weird sound, mechanical sound. I just don't like it. But there's some great backing vocals in parts, but there's nothing that really blows my mind, so moving on. All right, great. With that, let's go into track number eight. I wish you heaven. Just under three minutes. La, 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 la. Worth of poppiness. And uh, Captain, you just voted yourself for the first oh, review. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I slightly like this song. It's not a great song, but it's more than just a song. So here we go. It's short. It's only 2 minutes 43. I like the nice organ sound, which sounds very like a, a Roland D50 to me, but I could be wrong. Uh, I like the big reverb on that snare. It just smashes through the whole song. You've got the big chugging guitar all the way through. I like the little guitar bits that turn up in the second verse. The extended mix of this is great, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, the cool little dual guitar solos, 217 to 232, and that's about it. Then it's all over. It's short and sweet. It's okay. It's not great. Extended mix. We'll get to that next time. We will. That'll be, a, that'll be on another podcast. Toe Jam, I wish you heaven. Why, thank you. But you don't believe in heaven. Well, it's a nice sentiment. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it's it. It's a nice sentiment. I won't, you know, I'm not going to deny the sentiment behind it. And this one's not as, again, it's not as so specific. Yeah, I like the song. It's short and sweet. And again, it's very cartoony, that whole harp sample. It, it sounds like, you know, Elmer Fudd plucking the harp in those old Warner Brothers cartoons to me. So it's kind of comical as well. I love the video. The video is awesome. It's very simple, you know, basically one major, four major, five major. Couldn't get any simpler chords, but it's the placement and the arrangement again. Like the chorus is just this kind of big uh, loop, almost like a round, and it's all off beats. It's this... Just all off the beat, yeah. which is really cool. And it's sort of like this big circle of around that comes around and around and around. You got all these la la la's and do do do's. It's it makes you wonder how serious is he, or how, is it just sort of a bit of a joke to him? And I think it's it's right down the middle. Like I think he is taking it seriously, but at the same time, he's not taking himself too seriously. He sees the funny side behind it. I like the chugs in the guitar. You know, you've got the sort of big heavy '80s reverb guitar chugging along all the way through it. Uh, nice little change. Got the guitar solo at the end, two twenty three, almost like a little country kind of guitar solo. Um, lots of little things to like about this song. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Extended version is pretty funky. We'll get to that another day. But I, I, I like the way this sits on the album as sort of the lead-in into the final track. The video, and also in the song as well, at 2.16, you get this massive gunshot. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's cool, that bit. Just out of nowhere, this... <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming up. <laughs> uh, player, what are your thoughts on track number eight? This song was the last song written for the album. The song called The Line was dropped to make way for this. And it is great. My only criticism is that it's too short, which brings me to the 12-inch. I know you guys were skipping it, but I'm going to talk about it. 
the fantastic 12-inch with the Take This Beat rap in it. I just love in the 12-inch how raw his vocal is. It's like he was fighting a cold or something that day when he was recording yeah. it. Because between each verse, you can hear him, Prince is clearing his throat. Like, he's just, <clears throat> you know, between each verse. It's really cool how it was recorded, and, it, and it's not fixed up to be totally perfect. It just has a lot of character. But this album track is pretty simple lyrically, and it's sung as almost as a nursery rhyme or lullaby. Um, the music's really cool, and I've got the same notes as you guys. The guitar's very rhythmic at the beginning, and it's, it chugs along like the way a train does. And then towards the end, the, the dueling guitar solo is very, very nice. And in between that, you've got the keyboards and the harp-style sounds, envelope between the steady, consistent beat. Yeah, this is a favourite of mine. Great, great, great song. Okay, now I'll say something. It's very similar to the song Train. Train. Mm. The big reverb on the drums and the chugging guitar, it's very similar to that song, which Prince wrote, and I think it was originally his song. He gave it to Mavis Staples. It was on one of her albums. It sounds like a train. It's got the same sort of sounds. Go and listen to that and listen to just the sounds that he uses to make that sound. It's interesting. I'm always amazed how much I learn when we do one of these sessions. I like some of the um, little harmonies in this too, with the bit where he sings, um, thank you so much, and then there's a little extra harmony on the word much. It's just a nice much, little yeah, suspe- yeah. suspended right. kind of chords all the way through. Really cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys for the most part. It's the little things in this short but sweet song that, that make it incredibly interesting and joyous to listen to. It's the second dream song on the album, followed by the first, which was when Two Are In Love, uh, and now, you know, it's I Wish You Heaven. It's got a gospel element, it's got a fairly steady rhythm and a steady pace, and again, this mantra-type vocal delivery, which keeps repeating the theme of uh, wishing someone heaven, and I always took that as not necessarily just heaven in the literal sense, but what that em- what heaven can embody, you know, whether it's love, whether it's joy, whether it's compassion, whatever it is. But it's just, it's very positive. And that's the other thing I like about this song and this album as a whole. But this song in particular, it's even the way it opens up, you know, it opens up on a slightly questionable, it's asking a question in a sense where he's saying doubts of our conviction f- follow where we go and the world's compassion ceases, but still I know. And he goes on and on talking about the power, in my opinion, of a, of a human touch, a human kiss, a moment with someone special, and really humanity as a whole. I think it's a lot deeper. This song is a lot deeper than um than it's given credit for. When he sings such simple lyrics, i.e., I wish you love, I wish you heaven, and pretty much repeats the the mantra, in in, in my opinion, of I wish you heaven all throughout, what it does is it just keeps repeating that theme right until the the last second and it makes it for a really unique unique song with his in his discography i think because it's it's not typical by any stretch of the imagination it's not typical in its form in its construction outside of the fact that when you li- when you listen to it it's obviously prince singing it i think outside of that it's not a typically prince song and it's it's an interesting way to you know, Love Sexy was, I mean, even fr- from dance on, just positive. Love Sexy, wow, positive with a double plus. You know, when two are in love and I wish you heaven, incredibly positive as well. And then just before we go into the last track, which obviously, as its name suggests, is positive uh, as well. It, this almost like just, fin- this this song finishes off the album on that positive note be- before it becomes a little bit a little bit spooky, a la Anastasia for me. But um, I'm not really talking about the song, am I? Lush all over. It's almost magical and partly psychedelic in its sound. It's a, 
the way that he delivers this song, especially on, on when you put on a, a good set of earphones, to me, it gives me this really unique effect on me as a listener. It's almost surreal in its execution and I feel surreal listening to it. Two minutes, 43 seconds. I didn't think it could do so much. <laughs> You've said way. psychedelic a few times. I have, yeah. I, I, this, you, is, this, is a very, this is a very psychedelic album. I don't care that the cover doesn't have <laughs> 50,000 colors just like Around the World in the Day. Would you say this is his most psychedelic album since Around the World in the Day? Yeah, I would. Me too. Yeah. And, and in fact, I, I think I can't decide because you're putting me on the spot, but I don't know which one's more psychedelic because psychedelic can mean different things to different people, but I think Love Sexy. It could be more. Could be. Thinking about it, yeah. Could be. Who knows? Could be. There's but yeah, pre- there's some pretty far out stuff on this album. There, there more, is. I, you know, more than on Around the World in the Day. I think you're right. Hooli dooly. I think. I think. You, I think you've got a, an interesting. You've, you've asked an interesting question, and with that, we go into the final song, a lengthy song at that. But it's the closer. It's track number nine. It's been a positive album, and this song is entitled Positivity. It's up for grabs, guys. Wave your peace signs in the air. The first one I see gets this. Uh, Toje. <laughs> oh, okay. What an amazing closer to the album. And what I love about it is the whole song is this massive juxtaposition between the word positivity and yet, but it's a dark song. Yeah. And I love that. The whole it's, the song starts with this dark alley thing. It almost seems like something out of a soundtrack or a movie. And then you hear Ingrid saying, yes, 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 yes. It's, you know, this is nightmarish kind of stuff. Uh, then you get the marimba starting or whatever that, that is. And that just continues all the way through the song. And the percussion as well, all the way through the song. Really cool stuff. Uh, really interesting stuff too. Almost sounds like, you know, the Hare Krishnas are, on, are, uh, are over this track. You've got the synth sound from Joy and Repetition, that sort of held, sustained synth that sort of swells, which is really cool. Uh, and then you've got his lazy, depressed vocal again, which is kind of reminiscent of Anastasia and Dance On from earlier. And if you listen really carefully on the headphones, you'll hear a keyboard that follows his vocal line as he's singing the verses, which I only noticed while listening to it this week. And the song is all about, you know, your perspective on life. You know, is that a good man? Does he deserve the money he got? Would you, you know, would you question him if that was your father? This kind of thing. It's all about what perspective are you taking into this life, which is a, a very interesting message. Uh, you've got all the crazy background stuff again happening. You've got that sax and guitar doing that wow at 121. That kind of stuff happens all the way through. One of the most interesting lyrics, uh, and always asked on the org and this kind of thing, what does it mean, the infamous dream in W's? Do you dream in W's? What does that mean? For me, I've always imagined that, you know, I think, well, what's W's? I think, well, it's who, what, where, when, uh, these kind of questions. So it's like if you're dreaming in W's, it's like you're dreaming and you're, you're thinking of, You've got all these problems. You've got all these questions, unresolved questions. So that's, that's my take on what the dream in W's means. I don't know if that's what it was. Uh, you've got another big turnaround. Again, reminiscent of a lot of the songs on the album. This one is the... That kind of finishes each little section of the song. And um, I love the way that's used throughout the song. At 3 minutes 30 to 4 minutes, again, it's used like a round. And it repeats over and over and over. So that you know the the music goes da 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 da, and then Bonnie sings or Sheila or someone da 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 da. Great arrangement stuff going on there. Now I said right at the very beginning of this review in I know there's a little horn line that pops up going da 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 da, 
in in I know, and then it returns. Yeah. It returns here in positivity, but it's much slower. It's this da 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 da. Same three, uh, same four notes. I don't know if it's just an accident or whether that's intentional. I'd like to think it's intentional because it's really cool having this little horn line in, in I know that then returns in a sort of sad and depressed way in the last song. Where is it in this song? Uh, two oh nine, and then Eric Leeds plays it even slower at two seventeen. Oh, okay. Da, 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 da. Because in I know it's quicker. It's da 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 da. The whole have you got your plus sign today? It's kind of a a play on the whole adver- advertisements. You know, have you got your calcium fixed today? Have you got your plus sign today? That's <laughs> cool lyric. Uh, you've got the have similar you kind of. Have you plus today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got the similar themes that pop up, like in especially in the song America and about staying in school. You know, the kid that drops out of school, who's to blame? This kind of question. And then it goes into a whole other section at the end with the whole Kings of the World section. At 4.25, suddenly out of nowhere, you get this major melody in every man's life. There'll be a hang-up. It almost sounds like a sort of, you know, sing-along section, but it's it's kind of spooky because spooky electrics around the corner. And you've got the whole um, the reference to Rolling Stone and People magazine. And, you know, it's getting dark there again. Uh, and then, But then it finishes off with this, this kind of hold-on-to-your-soul theme. And you get the march drum uh, the snare drum coming in, playing the sort of march rhythm. And it's kind of like, yes, we've got, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hold on to our soul, you know, be superior at least, all this sort of thing. And there's some really cool riffs at the end. All this sort of jazzy stuff going on yeah. while you've got all that snare drum. It's just, it's, again, it's another one of these songs like Love Sexy, like Anastasia, like Lamb Slam, like Alphabet Street. There's so much going on that to try and talk about it all would be exhaustive. But this is another brilliant song. It's almost as good as Alphabet Street, Glam Slam, Love Sexy, but yeah, I'm so tempted to say it's as good as them, but I don't know if I can. But it's a really deep song, and it's one of those ones that when you listen to in the right mood, it really hits the spot. So, there you go. Gosh, there's so much to say about this stuff, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I've I've just spoken for, what, like seven or eight minutes, probably. But it's awesome. The length Um, of the song. That's that's all right. Yeah, but it's like, I still don't feel like I've done it justice, and that's like a lot of these songs. It's, It's just, they're just too good. Yep. Right on. Play up. Yeah, this is a strange one. The, exactly what Tojam said, the music and the vocal tone is kind of opposite to the song title. Not that it's bad, it's a great song. I'm just, It's just an interesting take and delivery of the verses. I mean, I'll try to make it head or tail of it. Like, you know, is that a good man walking down the street with the money in the hand? And like, you probably say, well, no. And then he says, you know, if that was your father, would you dog him? And then you probably think, no, you wouldn't. So... You know, it, it's it's a song that makes you think. And then in the in the next verse, you know, he's, what he's saying is that all your gold, where did it come from? What did you have to do? Can you sleep nights? It's kind of like saying, well, you know, if you're acquiring the gold, like, you know, how do you sleep well at night? You know, it, I don't know. It's kind of all over the place when you think about it like that. I don't know how to take it. The dreaming in W's, I always saw that as, you know, when like you're watching a cartoon or whatever, when you see a cartoon character sleeping they they draw the letter z above their head or whatever yeah and so when he says do you d- dream straight up like dreaming straight up you dream like normally with zeds and like if you're not dreaming straight like it's a i don't know i guess a different letter like like the letter w or something that's the way that i've always seen it can a boy that who drops out of school at 13 years age I, I don't know if that's a rhetorical question or if he's asking you know it's not a weird well it is a weird song but it's just I try to figure out if if he's because it, like it's saying positivity, but I don't know if he's aiming at, at like sort of negative people and it, like delivering it in that sort of way to them, like in a sort of down way. 
So it's it is weird, but it is enjoyable. I really like the song. Yeah, just like reading the title, you you think it's going to be like this yeah, big, positivity, yeah. Yeah, yeah, positivity, but it's not. It's it's no, kind yeah. of the opposite. Yeah, it's a very strange one. That's a good segue into my quick thoughts, player. Very strange one. It it I'm not sure about this. Would it have been better as a B side? I don't know. I, I think a seven minute B side. Yeah, well, they've been longer than that, but sometimes I think to myself, this is indulgent, and in a way, it's a bit meh. It's not as as strong a closer as I'm used to on 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 his albums, and in a way, I think he's tr- trying too hard. And this is just to my to my ears, he's trying too hard, and I can't really understand or connect with, especially the second half of this. It's like. He's taking it. It's taking a little bit too far for my liking. In the sense that, by the time I wish you heaven is is done, and this song starts, I'm kind of done with the love sexy concept. It's amazing and it's brilliant, but I think my patience—not my patience, but my my—I um, don't know how to put this. <laughs> I've just kind of had enough of the spooky electric concept, and and this goes on for another seven minutes, and it's like, okay, back to reality, you know. <laughs> Because it's such a conceptual album, and to me, I always struggle listening to this song. It's it asks some interesting questions. I'll give it that. It does have some interesting chant-like, monk-like, Krishna-like qualities, and it has got some insane, absolutely insane fretwork from a guitar player's point of view. He's an animal on that axe. But at the same time, to me, it's more. This last song on on Love Sexy the album is is more experimental in style and to my mind it's really style over substance. But every second time I hear this song, and I've been listening to a lot of it when we were preparing for this review, I feel like it grows on me. But only when I listen to it in isolation do I start discovering that it is it is far greater than I give it credit for. But I don't know. I seem to be the only one that feels this way, but I think that's really the the summary of my review for this. It's disjointed, it's disorienting in a way, and it's just a bit odd. Okay, so that was my review. Now, MC, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say stuff like that. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Captain? (laughs) Your thoughts, please? I don't mind this song, actually. We just swapped for this song, you and me, that's okay. (laughs) Uh, This is an album closer. It's, you know, it's over seven minutes long, like uh, an album closer should be. I love the drum loop. But like everyone said, the weird thing about this song is it's, a, it's called Positivity. It's about positivity, but it's such a dark song. It could be called Negativity and be a totally opposite song to what it is, and it'd match the music perfectly. But we've said Don't a bunch superior. of... Yeah, there's been a bunch of songs. I can't think of any right now, but there's at least three or four songs where he's done, you know, a dark song with, you know, happy lyrics or the other way around. And this is just another one of those. But this is another, like Toejam said, this is another dense song. There's just so much going on all the time. You've got this constant left and right panning of that little marimba sounding thing, which is probably D50 as well. Marimba sound on that. Uh, I love the because the cool little sound at 2:29, just before the breakdown. It's just this. It's just this tiny little cool thing, and it just says, "Now we go to a different part of the song." I love the spooky electric part. Starts at 4:24. You've got the keyboard matching the the vocal lines there. Uh, a great lyric. Call People Magazine, Rolling Stone. Call your next of kin because your ass is gone. That's a lyric right there. 
Uh, it gets really cool from five minutes on with all these guitar lines and the bass and the vocals and the percussion and the marching drums. The horns come in, some really weird guitar lines. It's all very cool stuff. It's like a totally different track to the first part. I love the end outro, D50 again. But uh, after listening to MC, I, I don't love this song. It's a good song. But uh, with MC saying it's slightly overindulgent and maybe more style of a substance, I can see that easily. I think it's totally indulgent. And this is going to be really controversial because I don't like getting into these sorts of um, theoretical positions. But in a way, a lot of people, a lot of hardcore Prince fans believe that something peculiar happened or something, there was a definitely a change in the air, you know, after this album came out. And, you know, from kind of early 1989, I guess, onwards. And in a way, this is almost, this last song almost sums up how indulgent his career would become over the next few years. It's almost like a a placemat or a marker to me. When I listen to this album, it's like, okay, this era is done and it's ending on this song, which is kind of just, I'm sitting on the fence with it. You 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 know what you could say? Since he built Paisley Park and started recording there, you could say that's when, you know, this sort of overindulgence could have started because he had the studio there 24 hours a day. He wasn't paying for studio time anymore. He could stay there all day, all night and do whatever he wanted. Yeah. I kind of like the overindulgence in this. Like, it kind of reminds me of the song Crystal Ball and that it's just like, it's Prince coming up with something dark and just being indulgent with it. Mm. I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing, but I think since, I mean, this is probably what maybe third album he recorded at Paisley Park? Did it start with Sign of the Times and then it was Black, Black Album? Time. Wasn't Sign of the Times recorded there? It was. No, it was because the studios opened in about December 87. But before that, he, he used to write on the album credits of recorded at Paisley Park, even though it wasn't like built. Ah. He used to write that. Because the... the it was almost like a fictional place before it actually opened. That's interesting because the mixing desk, which I think is Studio C, yeah, that's the one that he that recorded Sign of the Times on. Times on so yeah. they, he might have bought that from wherever he recorded that put and it put it into Paisley Park. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. You, you know, guys, the, the more I think about it, it's really the second half of this song. My, my comments relate to the second half of this song. If this was three and a half to four minutes long, you know, before you get to the um, shall the courts sing together part... <laughs> I'm all good, but it's from there that, that that's where the indul- I think I can pinpoint where the indulgence begins and where the song ends in a way. For me, anyway, you know, cousin, when spooky say dead, you, you better, better say, say died. died. Eh, not so much. Or you can fly high, right by spooky and all that he crawls for. Spooky and all that he crawls, crawls. for. I mean, that's just a bit too much for me now. I'm I'm kind of. I've either switched on the TV or I'm I'm doing a workout or you're already you're already gone or I'm recording this show so that's where you I'm must at. Be bored. But guys, what a what a what a review, <laughs> what a review of of this album. Oh, and have we even said I think we have. It's 25 years. That's old. right. Happy birthday, love, sexy. 25 years new, right, and, and one it more still thing about, sounds great. One more thing about positivity and the way it kind of ends. If you put the <gasps> the uh, on loop, yeah. Oh, the cleansing and yeah, and all that. But like at the end of it, and the synth pad sounds and all that. If you put the whole CD on loop, it, it kind of like the way it ends. It sort of like segues nicely back into the beginning. And so like you could put this on a constant loop. It just sounds like one infinite loop sort of thing. And you know what? The water sound at the end of this mm. sounds very similar to the water sounds on 
something on the Funky Weapon Remix EP. I think it could be that same water sound, you know, where he says, are they really angels or is it just in my my mind? Mm. I think at the start it doesn't have music, but I think at the end of that EP, it's got the water. I think it sounds like the same water sound. Mm. That's just off the top of my head. I haven't actually compared it, though. But it could be. So many things. All these things. There you go. (laughs) Ratings, ratings. Love, love, sexy. Um, I can't rate this. Come oh, on to it. That's the second time you are going to refuse. I can't. <laughs> you got to. I'm going this... to rate this. Yeah, okay. Go, go ahead. Go okay. Maybe three or four albums will get the score. Uh, not just Prince albums. Of all albums I've ever heard, this one gets 10. Yep. Oh, wow. Is that our first 10 ever? Is that it's your first? It's my first 10, yeah. No, it's the first 10 I think we've ever heard on this show. Holy dooly. No, okay. someone else gave it 10 once. And then I don't they changed so. it <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving it a 10. This is um, along with one other Prince album and maybe one or two other albums from other artists. I think it's, it's, it's an example of a perfect album, I think. There's not a single song I don't like. I think every song is brilliant in some, some way, shape or form. The flow works really well. The story works really well. The consistency of the sound all the way through. The creativeness of the ideas, the arrangements... To me, it's a perfect album. So I'm, I'm giving it a 10 for that reason, and it's always been one of my favorite albums ever since I fought, first bought it. So I love it. The craziness about saying how creative it is, this could have been an album, to use MZ's words, you know, in, in lesser hands, this would have been yes. somebody's lifelong work. He recorded mm. this in a couple of months after, yeah, that's, that's just to get it out enough. as fast as he could. That's crazy. So the amount of ideas that he had in his head, you know, just scrapped the Black album and started from scratch and put this out in such a short time. It's insane. Yeah. And I like people always say, people always love Sign of the Times. And I love Sign of the Times too. But for me, like, I, I can't compare Sign of the Times to this. This is so much more consistent yeah. than Sign of the Times, I find. Yeah. Uh, that's just me. And it sounds cleaner. It sounds clearer. It's just so dense. There is so, in every song, there is so much happening at any given point in time that it's almost like, even now when I'm listening to it, I hear stuff I never heard before. And that's not just one or two tracks. That's the whole album, every single song. So I think it's brilliant. So there you go. There's my first 10. So that's a 10. Toe Jam, because I'm, I'm really, really curious. And maybe you, you haven't figured out what those other two or three albums are by other artists. But if you know them, can you, can you just mention them now? I'm so curious to know what those... Well, 1999 is going to be one. Yeah, I, I, well, I knew out. that, but I mean by the by other artists. Uh, maybe Kind of Blue, Miles Davis. Okay, okay. And potentially Traveling Without Moving, Jamiroquai. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Cool. Good stuff. Good. Good stuff. I like that. I think the highest score I've given, I don't think I've done 9.5. I might have done like a 9.2 yeah. or 3. No, no I think you've done 9.5. I've done a 9.5. Like a yeah. Oh, really? Wow. We'll have to revisit that then. Oh, then I'll, I've got to give this a 9.7. Wow. Wow. There's, there's a few little things I'm not totally sold on, but for that minute and a half in Love Sexy, which is just perfection, that's most of the points right there. It's just so good. 9.7. Excellent, excellent album. 10 from Toe Jam, 9.7 from Captain and Player. Uh, I have to agree with these guys as well. The other songs that I would put on here for consideration would be Good Love, Pink Cashmere, God is Alive, Crucial, maybe a couple of others. And those sort of songs have a love sexy feel and vibe about them to me. And not because this album needs enhancing, only because I want the love sexy experience to continue. So if I made my own version of you this, want it I would to last that longer. Nice. Yeah, that's right. 
I like Prince's religious concept here in this era. It's basically, uh, this is what I found and this is where I'm at. And that alone makes you feel like you want to get on board as opposed to later albums where the message to me became, um, this is what I believe. And if you don't subscribe to it, then you're wrong or a banished one. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong with that. And that may be not Prince's intention, but that's how it comes across to me. I'm going to rate this 10 out of 10 as well. It's one, of those, um, yeah, it's one of those albums that, you know how people go, oh, you know, if you're on a desert island, what would you take with you? This is the album. If, if I had to pick one Prince album, I'd take this one. It's just really, really good. You know, we talk about songs about uh, Prince having all bells and whistles and sounds cluttered. This has bells and whistles, but everything fits. It's just a really weird thing that it, it just, it's perfect. It's just a perfect album to me. I really love this album. And I can always go back to it and always feel good when I put it on. And it's just a great album. What I'll say, the first time I listened to this album for this review, like uh, probably three, four weeks ago, I wrote a whole bunch of notes, right? And I got to the end for, say, conclusion, and I gave it an eight. But then I've listened to it probably every second day for the last three weeks, and now I'm giving it a 9.7. It's just, you forget how good things are. And then when you really listen and you listen, you're just like, holy cow, it's unbelievable. And for an album being as as dense and complicated as, as this is, it's just, it's amazing. Holy cow, Batman. And you know what else? Listening back to this, I was just waiting for the chance because, waiting for the chance to say overproduced, but it never came. As, as much stuff as there is going on, I never got that feeling that it's like, oh, that's a bit too much. He had too much, but he didn't have the time. It was recorded in about and put out in like two months. It, it, yeah, if, if anything, it's not overproduced. It's, it's maybe... Um Undermixed. Everything sounds so spontaneous, but then, you know, the fact that every song is so layered and so dense, you're like, how does he do that? Make it sound so spontaneous, but not overproduced. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. A- and the other thing that uh, instead of giving a rating since I've... I've um, retired. I've retired from rating albums f- on a number scale. <laughs> uh, it's staggering when you think about, again, going back to the compositions on this album, to all the points that you guys just made about how spontaneous it sounds and, and all the rest of it. Now, it could have been spontaneous. It could have been all in his head. It could have... My, my point basically is that there are so many ideas. The plethora of ideas in this one record is astounding. I mean, it really baffles the mind. I think artists such as Frank Zappa and Beck come to mind. And I think this album stands head to head with the greatest work that Zappa's ever done and the greatest work that, from a compositional point of view, and the greatest work that Beck's ever put together. And there are other artists, but those are the two that just come to my mind at the moment. It's, a, it's absolutely astounding. How do you put so many ideas into such well-crafted songs that in most cases I'd still consider them pop songs, many of them? I mean, that's, that's incredible. And, and, and I think the reason for that is because they are upheld by by a funky beat, you know? Dance On, Anastasia, I Know, Alphabet Street, all those songs, they're held together principally by the rhythm tracks. You know, so even 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 for people that don't notice all the little elements that we're talking about, I think they could still jam to a lot of these songs just because rhythmically they're so strong, you know? They're such fun to listen to. You can dance to them, you can move to them, you can, you can do a lot to this music. Pretty astounding, isn't it? <laughs> we said before that uh, I think it was Love Sexy, the song, that he'd recorded it and then totally scrapped it and started again from, from scratch. I read somewhere else that he did that with most of the album. 
he'd recorded like three quarters of it and just decided to start again. And whether that's true or not, I have no idea. I can't, I can't even remember where I read it. But I think he was trying to, you know, get to the the polar opposite of the Black Album, and maybe that first version of Love Sexy wasn't as positive as, as he wanted it to be. And that could have been a reason he's like, no, nah, start again. Well, not, not good enough. Start again. But I mean, then even when this version came out, there's still dark sections, but still... That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. I always found that kind of funny, and that the, the Black Album isn't as dark as, you know, you're led to believe. And, and Love mm. Sexy isn't as light as you're led to believe. Like, there's some dark stuff on Love Sexy. So. Yeah. But it, it helps narrate the sort of good versus yeah, evil part of it. True. It's, it's, true. Just, it's like a part necessity of the album. You have to have yeah. it in there. Yeah. Mm. Also, I think to Captain's point about Prince putting the album together, etc., you know, this album was played almost in full on the Love Sexy tour and, and gosh, they do an incredible job, the Love Sexy band with this material. Oh, that's great. And um, it's great to watch. It's great to listen to. But this album is, I'm not going to say predominantly played by Prince, even though he's all over the record, but he's, it's predominantly put together by him. <laughs> well, it is. There's only, I think, a couple of songs which are like full band. Hmm. And the rest is, you know, mostly him with a few guests here and there. It is, again, this is another mostly, you know, one-man band, hmm. which is crazy. I just love the concept, like the whole thing. It's not even just about the album. It's about the clothes, the look, the yeah. videos, the concert, the stage, everything. Like, everything just, like, when you think of Love Sexy, like, it's a totally unique thing that's, you know, he never done anything before that or, or since then. It's, and, it's and really cool. You've got me thinking it, it, down another path, player. Mm. I think when you finish with a project like this, what do you possibly do next? Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's, let's uh, you know. Do you want me to answer that? <laughs> well, it was supposed to be a trilogy. No, the next one was supposed to be Rave and then Graffiti Bridge, and it was supposed to be a trilogy thing. But, but really, I mean, all, all of us are artists in one way or another, I guess, and, and I think many people have artistic elements. But, you, you know, if you think of, of the artist, whatever that may mean, any artist has a lifespan, right? And any artist has the ability to create a certain amount of remarkable material, remarkable work. But this, I mean, this is, this is incredibly remarkable, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding a little bit like a broken record, I guess, but I just feel like it's, it's worthwhile repeating and it's worthwhile pointing out how remarkable this whole thing is, not just, not just the music, but the entire era. The guy doesn't put a foot wrong, you know? And, and, and what's great about, at least from an outsider's point of, an outside looking in perspective, it seems like this is potentially him being, I mean, you know, he's got his heart on his chest and he's wearing his heart on his sleeve, literally, with, with yeah, all of this stuff. It's almost like, because, you know, Purple Rain, which is kind of his big, and, and 99, but, you know, this whole persona then was kind of like this mysterious, dark character. But after that, it's with uh, Parade, Sign of the Times, and, and then Love Sexy, it's like, uh, I don't want to say comedian, but it's, it's, he's a comic character. Mm. He's like, he is literally from those cartoons. He's this, and I think um, the guy who did that little book on Sign of the Times, there's a guy who wrote a book on that. And he says that kind of thing, like Prince was like, he's like a comic book character, a real life comic book character at that time, that Sign of the Times love sexy years. Yeah, I mean, you can see that, can't like, you? you can and, see and in real life, like, that's that's what he is. It's not mm. like he's pretending to be. That is Prince. That is who he is. Like, yeah, and it's, and there's no surprise then that, that the music reflect, reflects that sort of attitude. And it does. It really does. You know, we, we could, and I think we should do a um, an, another Love Sexy review one of these days, you know. 
at some point in the future. Let's come back in five years. Yeah, why not? And do it all again. And this is an album I'd love to re-review uh, more than once because it just, it's particularly special, I think. It is. <laughs> particularly special. Potentially, in my opinion, the most honest, most direct, heartfelt, purely spiritual, and in a way, purely sexual, purely musical. Oh, yeah. I forgot how you ruined Glam Slam for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But you know what you said before, like after this album, how do you follow it up? Well, you follow it up with Batman, which you gave 4 out of 10. <laughs> that was back in the days when I was still scoring albums. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why you stop scoring albums. I, I couldn't possibly imagine what you do. I mean, you would need you would need a really long bath after this. That's the sad thing with this album, though. The sad thing with this album is I think it's, the general consensus is this is the end of his 80s creative peak. This was the last album. For most, in the view of most people, I think Batman is a huge step down and Graffiti Bridge even further. I might not agree with that, but I think that's the general. This, this uh, was the last big 80s album. And that, so that's, that's the, the sad part of this album is like that might have been partly why I rated it so high. I mean, except for a few exceptions, this was the, the end of the 80s, you know, classic heyday creatively, I think, for him. I think this is a more original piece of work, whereas everything that came after that, he was chasing trends. Mm. And so it wasn't totally original. It was like he was he had his own, you know, he was doing his rap thing, which was chasing the trend, but he princified it. So it sounded like Prince, but it was, you know, not totally original like this, like something as crazy and as wonderful as what this is. Yeah, it's original, but it's also, it, it's the apex. It's, it's, it the, is. it's yeah. the zenith of his talents. Of his, of his talents mm. in all areas, I think. Yeah. But, you know, the weird thing, I mean, this album does have little rap inserts, but the twist is he, he got a female to do the rap. Mm. So, you know, even here he started on the rap, you know, influence, but he's like, okay, uh, it's mostly guys doing rap. I'll, I'll get Kat to do a rap or Sheila E to do a rap. So straight away he's, he's twisted it to the, the, prince, the prince way. So after 25 years... How does Love Sexy stack up? How does it stand up? Has it stood the test of time? Oh, yeah. It still sounds amazing, but a remaster would be even more amazing, obviously. Oh, yeah. We need I that. Think, I think we, someone said it before. The, the slight problem with this album is it's not mixed that well. And it might have been just the mixing that they did on to CD, maybe on the vinyl. It could be different. I don't know. But a new remaster of this from the master tapes, that would just blow my head off. It would, yeah. oh, I've always thought the sound quality of this album on CD compared to Sign of the Times Parade and around and like the ones before that, I think this one actually sounds really good. Compared, yeah. like It could be better, obviously, but this is the first one that really sounds like it's, it's full on the CD, unlike the others that sound like they've been transferred from a vinyl mm. mix onto a CD. So. It's the, Paisley, the new recording complex, Paisley Park. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a step new. up, but it's, mm. it's still, I think, CD mixing them was in its infancy. It could have right. been, been a lot better if they did it now. And hopefully they don't do it like, you know, just blast it all yeah, to the no, wall. Yeah, they can't do that. Because yeah. that would just kill the dynamics of it. But Dan, get Bernie, get Bernie back. He knows, he knows what he's doing. Well, actually, to Tojem's point, a, a lot of CDs that were mastered between, let's say, 19, yeah, 87, 88, mm -hmm. opinions differ on this, but for, in my own experience, CDs that were mastered between 87, 88 and about 92 actually sound pretty freaking good. <laughs> but the ones that, that started 
going wrong, probably from the mid to late 90s onwards, where it really became audibly noticeable that things were just um, fraudulent. Yeah. Really Are we talking yeah. about the, the, the sound wars? <laughs> sound wars, yeah, exactly. But but even yeah. C- CD mastering technology, for some reason, it was a fairly, a fairly smooth conversion back in the late 80s and even early 90s from what I've read. So maybe that's why this one sounds sounds pretty good. I mean, it doesn't sound anywhere near as good as Diamonds and Pearls and Symbol, I don't think, but uh, it sounds much flatter and, and the low end is missing. The vinyl is better. It's still not ideal, though. You'd, yeah, you'd love to hear the master tape of this, it, wouldn't you? It'd be a fair... Yeah, yeah. If, if we ever get remasters, I mean, it's still going to be another, another at least, what, 10 years until we get to hear it, so sadly. Maybe five. Prove me wrong. <laughs> but there you have it, folks. After all this time, love sexy. <laughs> the end, exactly. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And for love sexy, the greatest songs of all time, five of the tracks on this album were in the top 100. Wow. Not bad. It yep. goes. This is from most popular to least. Anastasia, number 43, Love Sexy. 47, I Wish You Heaven. 52, Alphabet Street. 62, When Two Are In Love. 107 positivity, 173 glam slam, 201 I know, and finally 206 dance on. I can't believe so I know is that that far down the list. Mm. Where was Love Sexy again? Sorry, 43. 43. So top 50. Yeah, respectable. Uh, see, that to me, like that'd be in my top five songs of all time. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because for me, Glam Slam, Alphabet Street, Love Sexy, they'd be in my top ten. It is great. Yeah, Love Sexy would be in my top ten, possibly even top five. Do you guys have any shout-outs? Shout-outs? Shout-out to Seth and the Spreecast and, and the, the Doc, everyone there, all the people who come and watch the people. Who else? There's some Prince parties in Australia happening. There's oh, yeah, one. you got This details. coming Saturday, the 18th of May at the Flynn, Sydney. There's the Welcome to Australia party at the Hi-Fi Bar in Melbourne on the 31st of hopefully, May. Hope, hopefully that'll be more exciting than the last Prince party that was there. <laughs> It was the 31st of May, Welcome to Australia Party, with uh, Marcus. Marcus Scott. All then the, the next way night, from the USA. Then the next night, True Funk Soldier cover band at the basement on Saturday, June 1st in Sydney. Sydney. And the week after that, on June 7th, Prince's alleged birthday, at the Sky <laughs> Fox Enmore, Sydney. So, all these that'll Prince be, parties. That'll be a Robbie Maroon production, I'm guessing. Yes. If you're in Sydney or Melbourne, make your way to those events. We might see you there. Is there anything in Brisbane? There's no, there's, where's the Prince Party in Brisbane? There's no Prince Party in Brisbane. <laughs> I did that already five years ago. Do another ago. one. <laughs> Do another one. There's more people now. Actually, no. What was it? 2005 or 2006? 2006. So it's like seven years ago. Wow. It's time for a, a retry. Possibly. Possibly. Any other shout-outs? Do they mark us present or do they mark us late? They must mark us late. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. They have to. Yeah, they will. 